Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman. Richie Altman. And Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. Good Saturday morning, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to Southern Sports Central. Coming to you live from the coast of South Carolina. We're excited to talk some football today. As I am Richie Alban, we will be live for the next three hours. It is three hours of power sports radio, and I'm in it, man. I'm sitting in the studio on the TV. I'm hurting and needing college football so bad that I'm watching the Mississippi State maroon and white game uh, on ESPNU. Uh, that's exactly what I'm going through, a little bit of withdrawals this morning. But we're going to get that fixed. We're going to scratch that itch this morning. If you want to call in, by all means, join me live right now on the air, and we'll talk football with you throughout the hours that will be live here for the next three. Now, you can call in at dialing in us up at 515-602-9675. That's the number to get in there and hang out with us live. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at SO Sports Central or on Facebook, where we're killing it on the book at Southern Sports Central. Now, again, great show today. We're going to lead it off with one of the best, and we're getting ready to bring him in. He doesn't have a lot of time, but we're going to take all the time he'll give us, as uh, he is one of the great ones that comes in here and helps us out on a regular basis. He's part of the show, part of the family, and that is the one and only Reginald Walker Jr., who's going to join us here in just a little bit, uh, in just a little bit, as we'll uh, get him in here and mic'd up as he's getting comfortable in the chair before he takes off to do his great show. That's right. You don't want to miss that one. It's called the Shutdown Corner over there on 73, 730, excuse me, the game. Now, today's show is going to be a little bit more college-driven in hour one. We're going to have, of course, Reggie join us here in just a minute. Clemson Tom, the man, the myth, and the legend who's co-hosted this show with me for many years, will join me around 1035. At 1035, he'll be in here with me to talk about the Tigers and a lot more college football because that's what we're going to do. We'll talk about the volunteers and the rockiness on Rocky Top, how they were hit with an $8 million fine and over 200 violations. Now, let's be honest. That could be somebody receiving a Coca-Cola or it could be somebody receiving a bag from McDonald's. It could be a ton of things. We'll get into that with Reggie and, of course, Clemson Tom. Western, boy, the issues on that place as they – have named the defensive coordinator, David Braun, as the interim coach. He'll step in the role for a year, maybe more. You know how that works sometimes. But I know Reggie wants to talk about that because that's a Big Ten deal. And that's a big deal, period, because it seems like to me every year the Big Ten has a team. And Buckeye fans, don't put your nose up too high because 
it's been you more than it's not been year after year. But we'll talk to Reggie about it because, you know, there's one team that's not involved year after year in it on a regular basis, and that's Penn State. And that's, of course, where he played his college football days. And then saving the ACC. Is it true? Has the CW Network come in to save the day? They've secured rights to 50 ACC games. So we'll talk about that as well. Of course, in Columbia, Coach Smitty boots on the ground as the South Carolina Shrine Bowl Combine is happening right now as well. So we'll get some live reports from him as well. So we're just uh, a lot going on. We're going to try to jump into this thing here pretty quick here and, of course, catch up with uh, everybody, all of you guys here. And let's go ahead and bring in the man, the myth, and that legend, Mr. Reginald Walker, Jr., guys. So he's ready to roll, and let's bring him in in style. All right, just like that, we do begin the show right on time with Reginald Walker Jr. joining us. Reggie, man, what's happening all the way from uh, the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina this morning, my guy? Man, what a week it's been, right? The last really couple of weeks in college sports, uh, college football in particular. We got media days in the Big 12. They're making announcements. The ACC's making announcements. Northwestern's a train wreck. There's everything going on right now. College football's back. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. We're under 50 days away, baby, 49 days when toe meets leather and we begin talking football on the field and not on the sidelines. But, hey, the sidelines are hey, they're just as hot, hotter maybe than some schools normally see attention, like you mentioned Northwestern, man. Let's dive into that conversation. What a mess. And I know you really got deep into it, Reggie, uh, when this thing first broke loose. And, again, this kind of stuff, like you mentioned, it can happen. But it does happen. I'm glad they found out and figured it out and got rid of the problem. Fitzgerald was a coach who everybody kind of didn't see it coming, or maybe they did. Reggie, what's your thoughts on this deal? Well, I think there's there's several ways to look at it, right? And it, it's easy, um, you know, everybody, obviously, that, that from a coaching standpoint, Pat Fitzgerald is the guy, right? And, and I would argue, and, and Pat Fitzgerald's an old-school guy. So uh, my guess is there were some kind of rituals types of I guess you could call it hazing, but it was a different type when he played. I get that. And the the issue here to me it's 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 multiple layers. Number one, Pat Fitzgerald, come on man, you know, you cannot hide behind I didn't know. That that's in today's world of athletics, that in in the words of the, some of the, 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 the least grammatically correct people you, you can find that ain't finna work, <laughs> all right? That, that argument, that explanation is not going to work. You have to know what is going on in your program. And, look, I'm not going to dive too deep into what's going on down at the University of Georgia right now, but obviously they're in the crosshairs of some things as well with lawsuits being filed. And, you know, there was some allegations of some things being covered up down there. And Kirby came out and said that's not true. But at the end of the day, everything, I'm the leader of this program, and it starts with me. The same applies for Pat Fitzgerald. And that's where I think the ball was completely dropped because he thinks or thought, I guess, that he was going to get away with the plausible deniability. That's not going to be allowed anymore. 
Now, that may work with the NCAA because they have no teeth anymore in terms of uh, enforcing anything, but the court of public opinion, uh, the way that uh, administrations and, and universities are run by their presidents, with, and, and it relates to the, the publicity that comes from something like this, that's not going to fly. And we saw that at Northwestern. That's why they have a new uh, interim football coach right now uh, at Northwestern. Hanging out with the one and only Reginald Walker Jr., big-time playmaker here on the show, Southern Sports Central. Always fun to hang out with you, Reggie. So in-depth, so in tune. And let's stay in the Big Ten, man. I was listening uh, to the Four-Letter Network the other morning, heading into work, and one of the guys had broke it down, said, man, this is not an uncharted waters for this conference known as the Big Ten. It's kind of a big mess year after year, and there's always that one team that kind of leads the way. And you know, in the last 12 years, I know Penn State was part of that with, with everything that you guys know uh, when, they, when they went through that whole scandal and they, an awful situation there in, uh, in that town. But Ohio State has constantly been in the news with certain things like this. And there's been other teams inside this conference that seems to always kind of peek their head out coming in July. What is it about this area, this, this conference, that seems to have a little bit more attention this time of year than they do other parts of the year. They only care about winning. I mean, that that's – look, at the end of the day, we're in an era now where winning is – first of all, college athletics is big business. And the only way to keep the big business going the way you want it to go is win and stay at the top. And, and that's what's going on. It's, it's about finding ways to win. It's about doing whatever you have to do to either get kids into your program or keep them in your program. Now, most people would say that stuff at Northwestern does not keep kids in the program. That's fair, and that is not incorrect. Fitzgerald was not going to discipline, maybe, right? A lot of times coaches don't want to discipline good players because if they do, they may lose games. And so the problem is we have come to a place to where it is the only thing that matters is what goes in that win or loss column on a Saturday afternoon. And everything else doesn't matter as long as the wins are coming and not the losses. And I think, you know, from that standpoint, look, every fan, every fan base wants to see their teams win. I get that. And I, I, I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, people should not try to win. But at the end of the day, that's what a lot of this stems from, is trying to get the best players, trying to keep those players there, which means if you got to, you know, look the other way on some things, that's where people have chosen to go in a lot of situations uh, in athletics, not just college athletics, in the pros too. I mean, you, know, you look at the John Morant situation as an example, and, and that's one that I look at and I go, you know, that was pretty simple to me. Like, you get suspended for something once, that, that should tell you that your employer is not going to tolerate that. So don't do it again. But right now we're in a place to where, you know, a lot of times when you have a great player or a very effective player that can be very conducive to winning, there are times to where people look the other way. And that's happened at all levels. And, and don't get me wrong, it's happened at Penn State too. It, it happens everywhere. And that's where we are in athletics right now, the, the, the desire to win and have a winning program and a full stadium and a, you know, a bunch of donors writing checks or a bunch of people tailgating. And all, all of that stuff equals money. And everybody is trying to get there, which is why you're seeing an, uh, an increased emphasis from schools and their coaching staffs on asking people to donate to their NIL collectives and 
create NIL. It's all about winning and keeping players. And sometimes what we're seeing is people are willing to go beyond the rules to keep those players. And, and one of the things I want to point out, or two things really here, uh, when you think about all of this, from the Northwestern standpoint, uh, the reason why Braun was named the interim head coach, a lot of people didn't think about it this way. He just got there in January. He's the guy that, in theory, has the least amount of knowledge about what happened. That's why it took them so long to figure out who was going to take over. Because remember, part of this was Pat Fitzgerald saying he didn't know anything about it. Well, you can't sit there and assume, right? You can't fire the head coach for not knowing and then name an an assistant who's been there with them for, I'm just making this up, you know, 10, 11, 12 years. If you're going to assume the head coach knew, then you got to assume that assistant knew because he's been there the same amount of time. So they had to go a little bit outside the box, which is why it took them so long to decipher who was going to be the interim head football coach. And part of that as well is about winning this season. They want to create a little bit of a buzz from a wins and losses standpoint so they can get somebody that wants to come in and take that job moving forward. So all of those are pieces to it. And then the second part that I wanted to mention is when you look at of all of these rules, we have, we have sat back for the last 10 to 12 years and done everything in our power to strip the NCAA of their ability to discipline because we didn't agree with all of the rules that were agreed to by the member institutions of the NCAA, right? And so now that they've been basically stripped of their ability to enforce because everybody just doesn't like the rules, now when things happen, we go, where's the NCAA to clean this up? Don't look to them now. That, that, this ain't the time to go ask the NCAA to save you now. And if people can say what they want about the NCAA and whether or not it's a viable option and, 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 and it should be there or whatever. Remember, it is based on membership. These, all of these schools that are part of the NCAA, they are choosing to be member institutions. Here's one thing I've noticed, uh, Richie. How many of them have left the NCAA? That's a good point. The number zero comes to mind. How about that? You know why? They serve some kind of a purpose. Would chaos come to mind, though? I mean, I hear it all the time, Reggie. Great point, because here's what I know. It's, it's no different than you listening. And, again, I'm not a political guy. I, I, I stick to sports. It's what I love. It's what I know. But politically-wise, you hear so many people tell me they're moving to Canada. They're moving to Switzerland. They're going here. They ain't going no damn where. <laughs> they're still in the same place. Nope. They still have the same cell phone number. They got the same P.O. box or the same house number. Hell, half of them still have the same job. It's no different than people bitching about their jobs. They'll bitch all day. That's right. But they know where to make the bread and bring home the money, right? No different. NCAA, you're, it, look, if the NCAA was doing anything different, we'd still find something to complain about. That's just the way we are built for some reason. Not all of us, but a lot of us, right? Yep. And, and that's where, you know, as much as, as people have an issue with what the NCAA is and does, at the end of the day, what's the solution? Because I'm going to tell you right now, what's, what's become really, really interesting, everybody hated the fact that the, the athletes couldn't make money off their name, image, and likeness. I have, listen, I completely understand it, and I'm, I'm on board with that concept. But now you see those same people going, it's out of control. Well, because we didn't get with the NCAA, the schools didn't want to get with the NCAA and figure out, let's Let's join hands, basically, 
and come up with a way to do this. That no, we want you know they, we're going to go by our own state laws because in a lot of ways that created advantages for different schools. And now they're going. We need some help with this. Nah, don't call the NCAA now. Now you want now you want Congress to help. But you had a governing body there that could have helped you out. But nobody wanted to do it the way they might have wanted to do it. So now this is where we are. Hanging out with the one and only Reginald Walker, Jr. Of course, he is a big-time part of the show here, part of the family. But he does his own thing over there on the shutdown corner on 73, the game, 730, the game, excuse me, in Charlotte. I'll get it right, Reggie. I apologize. But when you look at it, Reggie, (laughs) from a a big part of everything, right, I knew that they were jumping into this thing too quick, too fast, and giving us too much. When they had the transfer portal, didn't have it figured out, and then laid in the NIL deal, didn't lay it out. It's like too much, too fast, too early. And now all of a sudden, here we are in the summer of 2023, and we're seeing what? We're seeing the adjustments. We're seeing the redos of this. And, the well, you can have an NIL deal in Charlotte, North Carolina, but you better check it in Charleston, South Carolina, because there's different rules, different legislations that I don't think politically they thought one way, realistically they thought another way, and legally the three-headed monster was never the conversation, right? I mean, because what stands in your state of North Carolina completely could be different in my state of South Carolina, correct? That's exactly right. Not only do the state laws have differences, but then you add to it the tax ramifications that at first were not going to be as much of a factor, and then it was figured out that, no, that's going to be a major factor. The other aspect of this, which I think is very, very interesting and going to be something worth keeping an eye on as well, is the NIL collectives. Because remember, and you know this, and and I'm sure the good folks down in South Carolina and really all over the country understand this, but remember back in the day it was about you write a check to the university to donate and and help the program, and that's a tax write-off. And Mm -hmm. then they started saying, no, do NIL deals and help the kids. Great. And it was a tax write-off. And then about six months ago, give or take, they came out and said, well, NILs and donating to collectives, particularly, is not tax deductible. So now the question is for a lot of these coaches and a lot of these programs and the people that write these checks, is it more beneficial for them, right, because everybody's in the what's in it for me category, right? Is it more beneficial for them to – write a check to the NIL collective or go back to writing checks and donating to the athletic department. The math says you donate to the athletic department because you get a tax write-off, but nobody wants that anymore. They're focused on, we need to get NIL for the kids because that's the only way we're going to keep players. When you look at the number, Reggie, that these young athletes are making, there's another topic that we're not even talking about. What happens when these young men and women, by the way, the ladies, are given this massive amount of money in IL deals? Let's be honest. They're college kids. Hell, you know who makes a ton of money out of college kids? Credit card companies. What do they do? The first game of the year in the football stadium, they're standing on every corner like they're selling you Bibles, but they're selling you credit. And they don't tell you that if you don't pay, it comes against you. But you're excited. Mom's not there. Dad's not there. Hell, I'm taking that credit card. I'm buying what I want. I'm going big, and I'm going home with what I bought. What happens when these guys and ladies 
don't make it to the NFL. They've spent every single diamond dollar that they made, and now mentally they graduated or may not have. Either way, they're looking at reality and adulthood in the face with no money because are we preparing them how to manage that money that they're getting with these months? I mean, some of these, let's be honest, these Power 5 guys are making as much as the FBS coaches are. They're making some massive money by being an athlete and well-deserved in a lot of ways. I just want to know, are we preparing them for the future by setting them up today to be successful? That's a twofold question. I think, I think the answer is sometimes. And the other answer to that is if they're willing to listen. And I think that's the, that's the, the most interesting aspect of it is you do have some schools and some programs that have different uh, NIL, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, NIL educational sort of programs, NIL um, you know, uh, NIL-based learning, basically, for their athletes. The question is, are all of the athletes either A, attending, and or B, even paying attention in attendance? Um, the second part of it is, look, the, the, the construct of NIL makes a lot of sense. It, it really does. The issue is we are – there is a middle ground that we're not able to, to, to really handle the right way. And, the, and that middle ground is, are they adults, meaning let them make all the money they want and figure it out? Or are they kids, meaning put a cap on it and make them do certain things so that they don't get themselves in trouble? And we got to ask ourselves, which lane do we want to be in as a whole? Because... If you're saying they're adults, let them earn money, then some people say, well, then if they screw it up and don't pay their taxes, let them get locked up. <laughs> and then others are saying, well, if they screw it up, they're just kids, don't make it hard for them. So we got to figure that part of it out as well. I agree with you. And that's, again, it, it all goes back, it all goes back, Reggie, to me. And I, and I say this, and it starts in high school. If we're preparing our young ass, if we're preparing our young students to be doctors and lawyers and this and that and the others, are we preparing athletes to be athletes? That's a career, by the way. It's just as important as any other career. You know, a good friend of mine, Lizzie Charlotte, said, if what you say is as important for me to listen to, then you have to respect what I have to say to listen to what I say, right? Something like that. Mm -hmm. And I quote you, by the way, that's you, Reggie, and I, I quote you to so many. And I said, a good friend of mine said to me during this really tough time when Black Lives Matters was, 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 was huge on every front line and things were just not okay in this country. And he said it very well. He said, if what you say is important for me to listen, then you have to respect what I have to say to be just as important. And I think that's a, that's, that could be a widespread statement to so many ways. But I just feel like they kind of take athletes and they just throw them out there. Okay, cool. Just, just go. Just go. You'll be fine. You know, it's like mom mm -hmm. who, yeah, she wants a little Jimmy to play on the baseball field, but she's really just looking for a babysitter. And she's going to put him out there, and she's going to sit out there on her cell phone, or dad's going to sit out there on his, on his cell phone because dads do it too. We're not preparing our kids in high school, and then when they get to college, it's, it's a similar role. Are they taking finances? Are they taking public speaking? Are they taking the things that they need to take to take that next step into being a career 
athlete. That is a title. That is a role who makes, by the way, more money than some doctors out here are making. Let's just call it what it is, right? That's it. That's so it. when you look at no, the you, bigger yeah. picture, go ahead. Yeah, I just think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's right, that, that stretch, that 18- to 22-year-old stretch, whether you're an athlete or you're a, a standard college student, it's about the preparation for the next 25 to 35 years of your life. And we've got to make sure that we're doing that in all aspects for these athletes. And at the same time, part of that is accountability. And we can't forget that in the pantheon of what we're trying to do. Right. And and I would agree a hundred percent. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to hit this last little conversation with you. And that is Rockiness and Rocky top or however you want to look at it. They're hit with an $8 million fine, by the way, they've got 200 violations. All Navy is just calling for war. I can promise you that right now. And what people don't realize who have never played the game or maybe not familiar with how violations work, let's, let's just be clear. They're not all major violations. They're not all out there handing out McDonald bags, which we, we all had fun with that, right? And, by the way, <laughs> McDonald's in Somerville and Charleston weren't handing out those bags because I was asking for them. But what I do know is that it could be something as small as giving somebody a, a, a stick of bubble gum. It could be a can of Coca-Cola. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing. A rule-breaking is a rule-breaking. And, Reggie, I want you to touch on this a little bit because I know you've dived into this as well. But Rocky Top having issues, but yet avoids the ban in the bowls, so at least they savage that part of it. Well, and that tells you that those violations are more like the ones you just mentioned of the sort of nickel and dime variety, right? Um you know, I, I think the guy that would have a field day explaining all of these violations, if you will, would be a guy like Bill Raftery, right? He, he call, he'd be calling nickel dimers all over the place, right? And, you know, you think about this stuff, and it's like, yeah, they are a lot of, you know, pretty small things. There's a couple, I guess you call them major violations. But at the end of the day, a lot of that stuff occurred, I would say, long enough ago that the rules have kind of changed. And so it'll be very interesting to see. The, the fine is the only thing that matters, but that's it's an SEC school. It's Tennessee. Somebody, they've got somebody in their, in their alumni network, big donor, that's just going to write a check and make that go away. So at the end of the day, it's not as punitive as people would think for them, but the thing that makes it punitive or would have made it punitive if, is if they would have been hit with a bowl ban because oftentimes, ironically, they call that a recruiting disadvantage when most of these players don't want to play in bowl games anyway. So that's kind of confusing. But at the end of the day, that's the only thing that we're really worried about, making sure they'd be able to play games and go to the postseason. Last thing, final thing, getting you out of here. you got to hit your show. I don't want you to be late to your own show. It's kind of neat to kind of show up and hear everybody applaud, but we need you there on time. Saving the ACC. Have they done it? The CD Network has now secured 50 ACC games. Reminds me a little bit of this network called the Jefferson Pilot that was very big in covering the South in their games as well with other teams. Is this a huge step to keeping Florida State, Clemson, and those who make a difference in this conference enough to keep them there to keep this conference safe? Uh, The simple answer is no. And the reason why I say that is because this deal, and I'm glad you mentioned Jefferson Pilot, um, that's essentially what this deal is. It's the same – deal that we saw as Jefferson Pilot, and then it became 
Raycom Sports, and which, by the way, these games are still going to be produced by Raycom. And then it became the ACC Network when it was a syndicated kind of deal uh, and not always on and, and on different linear channels depending on your community and your network uh, in terms of where you got your cable, right, for those that had cable back in the day. Um, it's the same concept. It's the Tier 3. It's, it's what was on Valley Sports. The difference is, for everybody that's concerned, the difference in, in not being on Valley now is now you are on uh, – linear network that is over the air and not on a cable network, which some people don't have. So technically they have access to more eyeballs by putting this on the CW. Is it a network that many people expected to pick this up? No. But at the end of the day, we know this is the same uh, uh, company, the CW, that got involved with the Live Golf situation. They realize the power of sports programming can help in terms of bringing viewers and eyeballs to their channel. And once again, they do it here and jumping on board with the ACC. But it was, it is good that the ACC has those third-tier rights, and they are going to bring some money in off of those instead of allowing the RSN situation, which is where Bally is with Diamond Sports, to really take out that piece uh, of financial you know, wherewithal and, and, and income from the league. So I think it works out well for the ACC to keep that piece of the pie coming in. I don't know that it completely saves the league because I don't think that number got any bigger than what Diamond Sports and, and Bally had been paying over time anyway. Well, we'll be uh, here next week to figure some more out. Reggie, uh, you and I will catch up off the air real quick. How do our listeners find that man over there in Charlotte, the show that you're about to pop off, and uh, everything else that's happening around the course of uh, Reginald Walker, Jr., buddy? You can catch the show on uh, ESPN, uh, since you're not obviously in the Charlotte area, ESPNCLT.com, ESPNCLT.com. Find me on Twitter at RWALK13, R-W-A-L-K-1-3. Also on Instagram, R underscore W-A-L-K-1-3. A lot of food pictures on there. I love to get on this grill and cook. <laughs> so look out for me there as well. And I'm on Spaces, but, or uh, not Spaces, uh, uh, Threads, but we ain't there yet. It's all good. So Twitter, rwalk13. <laughs> gotcha. But, hey, always appreciate you, man. Looking forward to working with you some more as we get deeper, deeper. 49 days away from kickoff, my friend, and I cannot wait to get to that day. But until then, you and I will keep plugging along, buddy. Thanks for your time. Appreciate your support, and uh, have a good show yourself, buddy. Anytime. Take care. Let's go. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, and the legend from Charlotte, North Carolina. We're taking a break. Guess what? Oh, it's a good one. It's a good Saturday when the fellas are back together. Clemson Tom will join me right here, right after this. It's going to be like the old days when the man gets in here and we talk a little football and a few other things. We might even talk about what's on the grill today down there in Orlando, Florida. But until then, don't go anywhere. More Southern Sports Central right after this.
on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and give us a call at 323-784-9681. Let's rejoin Richie and Eugene on Southern Sports Central. Everybody, welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you with us here on Southern Sports Central. Coming to you from the coast of South Carolina in small town Somerville, South Carolina. I'm Rich Elvin, and guess what? We bring him in, we mic him up, and we get him ready with Stone Cold, the one and only, of course, Clemson Tom, back home where he belongs. What's up, buddy? Top of the morning. <laughs> Good morning, man. I appreciate the entrance of uh, Stone Cold. I figured you did, man. It was only appropriate. And I almost put the picture of you and your cold beverage as your picture, but I thought, nah, you've been spending more time on the golf courses than you have, of course, some of the other establishments that you used to kind of loiter in, if you will, back in the day. Yeah, let's just say the uh, the GPSs <laughs> have have changed directions. I, I more or less only. I'm actually headed to the golf course now. we got a tournament up in Ocala, so... I'm on the turnpike and they had Tanner in the backseat playing uh, Switch, whatever the kids have these days. <laughs> now, of course, Xander's going to be uh, – we're going to get that kid an NIL deal. We're going to give it to him. We're going to go get him a bunch more, and he'll be ready to roll by the time he hits high school. There's no doubt. This kid is getting good, though, man. I mean, I remember when he first picked up that first club, Clemson Tom, and to see what he's done then to where he's at now, I mean, this kid's a natural. Yeah, he's uh, – we've we, – Honestly, he's kind of gravitated to it. Um, I didn't I didn't know if he was ever going to stick with it or not, but now we're traveling literally all over the world. Uh, just went to the Future Masters down in, a, in Alabama, did the week-long camp at Clemson. Um, now he's got the world qualifier in about three weeks in uh, Pinehurst. So we got to go there. Um, 
got invited. I mean, it gets invited to play all over the world, but, you know, like Daddy used to say, money don't grow on trees. <laughs> we got to pick and choose where we go. And I believe y'all were, yeah, in Ireland, and, of course, you're seeing up and down the eastern seaboard, man. I've got to get you to Charleston because Kiowa Island has a ocean course that has his name all over it. If I if it's not, I can get yeah. it to about five golf courses here in Somerville. Well, here's the thing: there is a Charleston tour, and you know we got family up there, and um, it's it's just a yeah. long drive, and they do the tournaments on Sunday, which means I got to drive home Sunday and then go to work again on Monday. I don't get any buffer, but they have um, two or three that are going to be on a Saturday. So I've been looking at going up there. There's one at Edisto. Uh, one inside the Somerville Country Club, and um, I was actually they just opened it up for the fall, and they do a lot on Sundays. So you, you might be you might be seeing us up there. Is Matt still open? Then still got the burger joint. Mm-hmm. Burger joint is ready, and and, and of course uh, looking for you. So actually, you're looking at about a ten minute span from that golf course to of course that burger joint, and uh, some of the fine folks <laughs> of Somerville, the history of Somerville golf courses over there yeah. of course and uh the pro shop of course has a, a ton of names that you would be familiar with as well um, you might just see us my man might just see us love to see it now let's talk some football dude it's been a while how are you man everything's good i know you you've got a new addition to the family now he's a little bit bigger you got another you got a, i think you got another another dog in the yard too so uh what's happening over at the house right now <laughs> No, no more dogs. Uh, we, we've tapped out at three. No uh, Hendrix is two. He's um, he's probably going to be the next Shipley or the next linebacker. Might be the next Ben Bulware. I, I don't know. He's extremely aggressive, extremely agile. Eye hand coordination is insane. Um, he's probably going to be on the football field. But other than that, you know, work is work. Trying to battle through the economy. You know, things are changing on the on the front a little bit, but just trying to adapt. Wife is doing good. I mean, we're just plugging away, my man. Just every day, new challenges, new new goals, but we're doing all right. Let's talk challenges and goals in college football, man. I mean, since you and I have done this show, Southern Sports Central, man, a lot's changed. We've got more teams in the playoffs. We're paying yep. athletes not under the table anymore. No more shoebox money. It's real money. And there's this whole transfer yep. portal thing, man. I mean, it has completely changed. Since you and I used to kill it here on Southern Sports Central, man, what's your thoughts of where football is, college football is today, to where it was and to where we're going, man? Do you think we're going in the right direction? I was, I was you know, kind of listening to you guys before I came on, just kind of get an idea of what was happening. But, I mean, oh, gosh, what was his name that was just on? Reggie? Reggie. Yeah, you remember Reggie. Reggie was around back in our day. I do. I do recall. My mind, I had a little brain fart there. But no, just listen to it. But yeah, it's every, like I was all on board for it. I think you were too. But at the same time, yeah. I knew it had to be capped because you're about to give an 18 year old all this money, 19 year old all this money, and some of these kids come from, you know, 100 bucks is a lot of money to some of these kids, and mm-hmm. sometimes a thousand dollars. They, you know, you think they're the king of the hill. And to give someone from zero to a lot of money, you're, it's, that just opens up, you know, Pandora's box. Opens up a lot of, you know, a lot of things. And you've got adults out there that are preying on, you know, these kids' innocence. The they're, maybe they're not as, as business savvy. Well, they, clearly, an 18 year old is not going to be as business savvy as you know, 40 year old C, you know, CPA somewhere. Um, 
it, it's it's just it's too much going on, man. It's it's kind of crazy. It should be capped. I'm someone mentioned one time to put it into a trust and just give them, you know, a, a few thousand a month. I don't know, maybe three thousand a month, right. two thousand a month. But if they're in college, your food's paid for, your your room and board's paid for. How much do you really need? You know, but now with the with the, the days of the TikToks, the Instagrams, um, you know, firsthand knowledge is you can get paid off Instagram right here. Firsthand knowledge you get paid off Twitter. Um, the money's there, and it, they don't necessarily need an NIL deal. You know, if you want to look at uh, the LSU gymnast, she's making like five hundred thousand a year um, just off her TikToks. I mean, that's insane. Um, there's a girl at the golf course that has a, a streaming following. And it, it also helps that, you know, she's drop-dead gorgeous, but she makes a million a month, and she's 29 years old. She pulls up to the golf course in whichever Lamborghini she decides to crank up that day. No joke. Um, the money's there. It doesn't necessarily have to be NIL. You don't necessarily have to sign a deal with Dr. Pepper. You just have to have a streaming service, apparently. You just have to have a good following on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter. And you're seeing that. I mean, let's just count it out. Now, again, let me show my age. This thing called MySpace (laughs) that took 30 minutes to even log on, by the way, was a thing in my day playing college sports. Now you've got TikTok, Instagram, um, Snapchat. you got Threads. you got Facebook. I mean, my God, Twitter. There's so many avenues. And by the way, do you realize people are paying money to see people speak? That's the type of people that they're selling it to. So, I mean, imagine I if they're something actually interested, they're paying for it. Exactly. It's, it, there's money out there to be made that doesn't necessarily have to be NIL. And you could, I mean, yeah, I mean, just, people are buying feet pictures. You know, the OnlyFans. <laughs> you can post whatever you want to on there and have a subscription and post whatever you want. It, it, everyone knows about it. It's, just, it's there. There's so many avenues to make money. That doesn't necessarily have to be NIL. It can be anything it wants to be at this point. You're exactly right, and you're seeing that part. Now, here's my other problem that I have. And, and again, as a former college athlete, both you and I, we respect and we appreciate making a little bit of money because it's nice sometimes to stop eating ramen noodles. So we do appreciate that. And I do agree with you. Maybe not all at once, because like I told Reggie, and I'll tell you and all of our listeners, these, these young college athletes are preyed on as soon as they walk on their very first campus game at any college, at any university, with these guys and girls standing on the corner saying, hey, would you like a credit card? Because I'd like to give you one. They don't tell you if you don't pay it, they're going to come after you. They don't tell you nothing. They just say, sign here, so it'll be in the mail. Well, if they can't handle a $500 credit limit, do you think they can handle an 18.9 cash flow? You know, more money, more problems no. type of attitude. That's my fear. Well, I do know. And your thoughts on what like I said what to him, What's that? Yeah, the universities are adapting. Um, Clemson just opened up like an NIL kind of department where it's, it's almost like a classroom where they're going in there, they have access to people that can help them on this. And another thing is um, I, I actually know – someone in that does the NIL stuff that kind of harnesses, not really harnesses the money, but helps you, helps the students invest the money. And she looks over the contracts that these companies are given to these kids. And she's like, these kids are just signing these contracts, not realizing that not all this money is guaranteed. Or if they don't produce X, Y, Z from whatever is on their side, 
they some of that money gets taken back. So man, it's it's all over the place, man. It's they got to have somebody looking over everything. Um, it just is what it is, man. It's it's the wild west right now. Yeah, it should be governed a little bit better, but you know, I they're going to tell you it should have been governed better, but I don't think they wanted it to be. And that's that's just my opinion. And then you've got certain schools saying, "Hey, come to Florida. There's no state income tax." Meanwhile, if you go to I don't know what state has an income tax that's really high, but you know, don't don't go play football at Notre Dame. You know, Indiana's had a huge state income tax. You know, come play at Florida State. Come play in the swamp, or go play at Tennessee, where it's the same thing. It it just opens up so many different avenues. And then even with Texas A&M, they got oil money down there. It's not even fair. Texas A&M. Is it a completely different NIL than little old Clemson over here that we might have a car dealership to? Uh, we can't compete with oil. Like, get out of here. And right. then you got kids transferring because, you know, let's say they sign at Florida State. And then some school, Oklahoma, per se. Hey, why don't you come out here? We've got an NIL agreement that's going to double what you're making there, and you can start. Well, now in the transfer portal, see you later. I'm, I, just, I just took a pay increase. It just it, – it's not – the same college football, it'll it has to change, but I I don't know. It's it's honestly, I'm less interested in college football now because of it. Just because when a kid signed, you knew you had him for at least three years, and then if he was that good, he's going off the NFL. That just was what it was. But now, if his feelings get hurt or he's not playing and he doesn't like what's going on, he can just bounce and be in a different uniform on Saturday. I mean, technically, they could have done that prior, but. It just, it just, it, it feels different. Um, right. And if honestly, if they're not playing, then they're just not good enough to play at your school. Let's call it what it is. And yeah, they should go to another school where they can play. But it's honestly, it, it takes it takes a lot out of it. A lot of, I think, a lot of the pageantry is, is slipping away. And, and that's the thing. And we're, and I want to get into the college game day conversation before I get you out here too. But, but to stay here for just a few minutes as we're hanging out with Clemson Tom, of course, family big time as he and I did this show for many years together. We, of course, I really truly believe Clemson Tom. We, we still have uh, a lot of opportunity maybe down the road. Is uh, I don't think we've been out of the game too long. I think we're good. But uh, that being said, um, when you, <laughs> when you look at it in the other. Look at the running back at the University of South Carolina. He was a starting running back for the Gamecocks. A starting yeah. running back for the Gamecocks. He leaves and goes to Southern California, not guaranteed a starting spot, not guaranteed the fan base that he's already got, not guaranteed anything, but the money sounded good. Another one left and went to Oregon. And as soon as he got there, already questions about him coming back. And I said, hell no. You left, stay gone. I don't care who it is. It's no different than their relationship. That's the way it works. But for me, how do you – that's why I struggle knowing that – and I'm a Gamecock. You're the Tiger in the room. But to have a starting athlete, I get the guys who don't play, whose knees never get dirty, whose elbows never see the dirt. I get you guys transferring. But a starter, a starter who they held your spot even when you got hurt, come on, totally disappointing. And then he uses the word committed to the University of Southern Cal, my ass. You're not committed to nobody but yourself, and that's fine, but don't act like you're committed to a university. At the end of the day, that's the issue that you as an employer, a guy who hires people over at your job every day, this new group that we got coming up to hire, brother, 
<laughs> loyalty is going to be something of America's pastime, like baseball. You got a point, man. I, I didn't even realize you guys had someone that, that got up and left. We had two guys. <laughs> well, I know you're just. Not, I know you don't sit there like Mark Ryan does in Greenville because I guess he doesn't care enough about Clemson sports. He's got to pick on. I mean, this guy. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about him too. By the way, that guy. He's as bad as McElvey to me. Most of those guys are dead to me. Neither one of those guys could ever get invited. Nor do they probably want to come to my Christmas party if I ever had one. But they're not coming anyway. But Mark Ryan, he cares more about what's happening in Columbia than he does in Clemson, and it's like he might as well be a game talk show. It's almost like looking at listening to stand-up comedy because he picks on Beamer, says whatever. But, yeah, so our start running back leaves, another big-time guy leaves, and they go to Power 5 schools, and I get it, but they go to the West Coast. I just didn't get it. Of course, we did lose a guy to Florida State, and I understand it because he was a Florida State. He's a Florida guy. His mom, whatever the case may be, I understand. Yeah. But there's just certain things that it opens the door for a lot of inconsistency in a game that I love that you love, that's the shortest season of all seasons, but it, what makes it the best season of all? Of course. Yeah, but I do love football season. Um, unfortunately, my uh, my passion for it has slipped a little bit, but I'm still in the game, Rich. I'm still in the game. <laughs> I can turn it up. I laugh. I laugh every time, man, because, man, if you and I could come down here, and I swear to God, if you could move to Charleston, we, put, we will put Xander on a golf course tour down here in Charleston. There's a ton of golf courses between here and Myrtle Beach anyways, right? We would light up the DSC station down here in a way they have never imagined getting ratings and reviews about a actual show that I really would do phenomenal. Even though we've been out of the game a little while. But every time we come back, the game picks up. I don't know. know. We tried to, but you know, not to toot our horn, but I honestly think they it was, I don't think it was the right time for them or us, because I, I I think certain certain things had their their pigeonholed in there, and no one wanted to let go. That's my opinion on it. But it ended up working out. Yeah. what it is at this point. And now you're now yeah. you're going from Hooters to Hooters, the God Horse to God Horse. So you're living the dream, brother. I see you. I, I catch you. I mean, <laughs> not a bad choice, not a bad outcome on your end, nor mine. But uh, that being said, talk to me about. A few other things as we look at it. Do you like the playoff deal? You and I talked about this back in the day when we were doing our show here on Southern Sports Central. We, we kind of thought maybe, just maybe, we meet, need more than four teams. Because let's be honest, the SEC is going to get it not two, three teams in. So we need an opportunity for the ACC or the Big Ten or the Big 12 or any other conference to jump in, right? Yep, yep, yep. Now, how many have we got now? Eight? Does that pick up this year? Eight. We're at eight this year, I believe. It is this year. We're at eight. I do believe we end up very similar to others. I, I, I see 32. I see them going bigger. And I know that's that, you know, I, I, and it doesn't do away from bowl games because they can still name the games the bowl games. They can still be sponsored by, right? I mean, just yeah, like I our segments are sponsored yeah, by. Yeah, no, I think that still the Orange Bowl, the Capital One Orange Bowl, is just going to be uh, a playoff game. And we, I, we need to talk about it because I remember having the same conversation because we're like, well, how do we expand it? But like, you already have the Rose Bowl. You already have the Orange Bowl. Now just make that a part of the playoff destination. And we even talked about having, you know, one game at your home stadium. I mean, are you kidding me? Their place would sell out. It, would, it has the potential to be bigger than a Taylor Swift concert. 
That's all I'm saying, financially. <laughs> I mean, the Fed just came out saying Taylor Swift boosted the economy from her concerts, which right. she probably did. I went to the concert, daggum thing was packed, all the businesses around it were packed. Taylor Swift boosted the economy. You put a playoff game in a college football stadium like that in their home stadium, it will boost the, the local economy a thousand percent. And now with the bowl games, the same thing with all the cities, they're going to have a bowl game. Same thing. It's going to boost the economy because it's a playoff game. But one thing that's going to change is a lot of a lot of the fans can't go to every single one. Like you, you almost got to pick and choose. I mean, that was when Clemson was in the playoff. It was the same thing for me. Hey, I can go to the Orange Bowl because it's close, but if it's in Dallas and then the national championship, I had to pick. And you know, clearly, I picked going to the to the Natty instead of going to Dallas or wherever the heck it was at the time. But it, you, but at that at that level, man, it's more commercialized. All the the companies that are donating are getting a hundred tickets, and then the boost, the big time boosters, they're clearly going to go. So the attendance will be there. It just won't it just won't have that home home field advantage. But it's a bowl game, so it's it's never like that. Right. And, you know, the other thing is when you go to this place called Orlando, Florida, they've got a few things down there, right? Universal, Mickey Mouse, and, of course, the whale down there. You don't get to go to all three of those all the time either. So you got to kind of cherry pick where you want to go. That also leads you into another conversation. I've never in my life, Clemson Tom, thought I would see athletes sitting out of national championships. We saw it this past year. We saw guys sitting out not playing in a national championship game for injury purposes and things like that. To me – as an athlete, former athlete, however, I would never, could never do that to my teammates, who, by the way, were a huge part of getting me to that point. Because football, baseball, yeah. basketball, badminton, whatever sport you're playing, it's a team sport. So how can you yeah, walk can away and yeah, not play the biggest game? I don't know. Because I even played in a championship game. It was the conference championship, and it was just that you got there. Like, oh, my God, man, this is it. You couldn't, you couldn't have sat me down and be like, you ain't playing. No, uh-uh. I mean, there was – we played a rival one time. I dislocated my shoulder on a tackle, popped it back in, thriving pain. I wasn't coming out of the game. I got poked in the eye on an interception down on the ground. I thought I lost my eyeball. I was blind for probably three or four plays. I was coming out. That's my rival. I'm, I'm trying to take my head off over here. You know, it's cool. I, I can still see it. I got one eye. Shoulder still hurts. Can't hurt it anymore. I, I'm gonna sit nope. out. I, I can't. I can't do it. No, sorry. I got too much. I uh, had too much self-respect and respect for the teammates. And you, the only way you're gonna catch me off that field is concussion. Told me, you know, hey, you're Batman. Oh, I'm Batman. Okay. That's the only way. There was no way you were keeping me off the field. That's the mindset I believe, and I'm worried and concerned. I mean, I saw the matter of fact, the Florida State. I believe is a linebacker for Florida State. Could have went first round this past year, but is such a player wants to play a big difference and whether or not it makes a difference in Tallahassee I don't know every year this is their year they're becoming the Dallas Cowboys to me in college football but I, I really honestly have a lot of respect for this guy yeah right <laughs> I honestly have, a, have respect for this guy who comes back knowing that he just passed up on an opportunity of making a lot of money now I'm sure he's got a pretty good insurance plan on himself coming back this year but that still doesn't take away from a dream that if he gets injured then he'll never get a chance to be a part of right so, tip of the cap well, to that guy. This, there aren't many guys like him. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Let's say, let's say you're, you're projected. Let's just call you a left tackle. You know, you're going to go easily. Let's say you're the, best, you're the best left tackle in college football. 
everyone's telling you you're going number one to whatever, whoever's the number one draft, uh, get the number one pick. You're going number one. You're the best left tackle. Now, your team is terrible, and you're playing in just, you know, the Toys R Us, Bowl, Kmart, Blue Light Special, Biloxi, Mississippi, against, I don't know, Montana State Baptist Christian Community College, A&M Tech. Do you play the game and risk injuries or risk your number one draft pick? If it legitimately the bowl game doesn't matter, do you risk that one? That's a good point, though. I, I, I don't mean, know because the time if I – oh, my God. I do, though. I do because I I can't go into – I can't go into the I don't give a damn dot combo and, and, and lose and know that I could have played at least one play, done one thing, and made one difference. Because 11 guys on the field all matter, right? Every guy has a spot. Every yeah. guy has a position. Every guy has got a purpose. And for you not to be there, I still feel like a game is a game, and every game matters, right? That's what they taught us even in, in, in youth sports all the way to the big sports, however far you might have gotten. So, yeah, I, I'm going to play but all the games. It's just who I am. You get injured. Yeah, but what if you get injured and now that number one draft pick is, is now gone? Now you you lost all that money. Then what? Yeah. All because it was That's you know the AOL AOL into Messenger Bowl <laughs> at North Dakota like the Threads Bowl, right? <laughs> the Threads. Well, I made a reference to North Dakota yesterday. I mean, who knows? That's awesome. Uh, hey, let's do yeah, let's do this Clemson time. Let's reset. Let's reset top of the hour. Table that. Hold that thought. We're going to come back. I just want to reset us up, get us ready for hour number two. Hour one has been great. Started off with Reggie and Charlotte. He had to go. Brought in the man, the myth, and the nature boy, That the one and only, of course, Clemson Tom, back in the seat. The boys are back together again here on Southern Sports Central. Follow us on Facebook, Southern Sports Central. Hit us up on Twitter at Ether Sports Central. And if you want to call in and debate us, have fun with us, you can do it live right now. 515 515- 602-9675. That's the number to call in. We're just going to hit a little reset here, guys. We'll come right back right after this, guys. Taking your calls 
at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie Alban here live on Southern Sports Central. Glad to be with you here on this beautiful Saturday. It's beautiful Saturday in South Carolina. If you're not on the coast of South Carolina, you're missing out here on the 15th day of July, and we are 49 days away from college football, a few other days away from high school football in the Palmetto State. We're excited to bring him back in here with us. It feels like the old days with Clemson Tom and Richie Alban back here in the studio together. Brother, glad to have you back in here for another segment or two as you guys are heading to the golf course. But uh, we're just talking college football, guys. We're talking NIL. We're talking transfer portals. We're talking about the expansion of the playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah, playoffs. And, oh, by the way, there's another expansion happening in college football with the SEC and a few other conferences around the way. Now, let me ask you this. The ACC, Florida State said something about they're dipping, they're out, they want more money, probably not going to get it. Do they say Clemson, not happy it doesn't seem, but you know more about this conversation than I do. You're that ACC guy when it comes down to our conversation. What do you like and what do you dislike about the Big Ten, the Big 12, basically merging with the SEC already with Missouri? You've got Texas A&M, Texas, and now Oklahoma joining the SEC. Uh, The one thing I don't – it doesn't really bother me. Cool. You want to come join a different conference, go do your thing. Um, Texas thinks their guys get to football anyways. Um, I do like that Texas and Texas A&M can renew their rivalry. Uh, one thing that I hate that it hurts during the regular season are those those rivalries that, that you have in the SEC, the Auburn, the Georgias. I think Auburn and Alabama will still play. Uh, South Carolina and Georgia is always a good rivalry. Uh, LSU and Florida is always a really good rivalry. Those two teams just hate each other. I think the schools hate each other. Um, different things like that are um, – are going are gonna to change. So those are the things I, I, I hate. Like Tennessee, Georgia might not play every single time. Um, it, it's those old school robberies that we grew up on that are kind of getting diminished. Because um, when those come on, man, you know how it is. Oh, man, well, next week you got Georgia, Tennessee. Oh, you know, next week it's it's Auburn, Georgia. It's, it's this, it's that, whatever. It's those games that are going to be affected, those traditions. That That's what kind of is like, ah, that sucks. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the one thing, and I'm going to play this because I wonder if it's still – well, and I think they said something next year when this thing happens, they're going to have multiple games. But it used to be, you know, when you would, you would, you would get up and you knew, you knew at a certain time that if you got up at 3.30 to watch college football, this is what you would hear. Of course, that meant that you were about to watch some really good SEC football, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. You knew that it was that Alabama base versus Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee versus Florida, South Carolina versus Georgia. That there's where the game. Are they still going to be just as impactful because of this weird new schedule and the pods? Because that's what I'm calling it. It's more of a it pod than it is the constant division. Yeah. It has to because you're still going to get it because. 
that 3.30 time slot or even that 8 p.m. time slot with the two big games, no matter what. I mean, you can say it's SEC. You can say it's, you know, because even Clemson would, would play at a, a big-time night game. Um, it just it just depends. But that 3.30 CBS, and I'm not a conference guy. You've known me for years. I, I, I'm a purist at the end of the day. I loved, you know, when, you know, I mean, shoot, we lived in Gainesville. Uh, when Tebow was there and, and all that, and going to the games with Caitlin and, and tailgating there, um, it was it was just fun. Like, I didn't care. You know, cool, throw me on some orange and blue. I'll, I'll gator chop. Um, but then, you know, we're going back to our apartment and watching, you know, whatever, whatever rivalry it was because that team at that time was good. You know, that's when we lived in Gainesville, that's when Lane Kiffin was, was the head coach of Tennessee. And you remember, he was – he was an entity. Like, you put the mic in front of him, that was – it was like Jerry Springer. It's – that part Damn of the college right. football atmosphere was just beautiful. And I hate Lane Kevin with a passion. But dadgummit, <laughs> he's good for college football. Same thing with almost any – like, Urban Meyer, hate him. Thing is a jerk. But he's a creature. He's good for – actually, he's probably not good for college football, but – Bad example, but you can see what I'm saying. The the Dabos, um, you know, Nick Saban, Nick Saban, very stoic. Nick Saban is a is, yeah. is a he's become the godfather of the microphone now. I mean, this guy is he's a classic I mean, when he goes live. Yes, that's what makes it. You know, and they want to ask him those questions. He's like, I'm not answering it. Quit asking. And they're like, I can't believe he was rude to her. Like, shut up, it's Nick Saban. You don't want to answer a question. Don't answer a question. You know, and then you still have Lane being Lane. Uh, Dabo still Dabo, and it's those things that are what make college football awesome. And even sitting down, you wake it up the next day, you knew, okay, 12 o'clock, because at my house there's two TVs going for college football. And on those two TVs, right. one of them is showing two games. He's watching three games. And we've got, you know, the waffle maker that puts the paw on the waffles. Caitlin's making breakfast and all this, and, and hope we don't have a golf tournament because I ain't moving. And we would right. we would have a team gate set up. And, yeah, that 3.30 time slot, I'm watching that. And, you know, Clemson's on this TV or, you know, who's on this TV. Um, it, didn't, it didn't matter. If if Oregon was playing at 4 o'clock and they're playing USC and it's both big time, man, they're on there. It's, right. man, six Saturdays. That's all I'm saying. Six Saturdays, brother. Don't mess it up. Six right. Saturdays. And it's hard. And, and, and it's going to be a weird Saturday coming up when we know Mike Leach and rest his soul, the Pirate is no longer going to be on a microphone or on the sideline no more. And it almost feels like we forgot, man, because it happened at the end of the year. And, and the reason I bring it up because I'm, I, I miss college football so bad, so bad, so bad. I'm watching the Mississippi State spring game right now. And, and I'm not seeing Mike Leach on that sideline, and it's so heartbreaking because he was a great one-liner guy. Steve Spurrier was a great one-liner guy. Dabo has yeah. great one-liners. There's certain coaches, but again, the godfather right now currently is Nick Saban, the car salesman. I mean, oh. that dude looks like he can sell you anything off the lot, and you're buying it because well, he said to, and it's that simple. But my fear, great segue, Clemson Tom. I'm not a McAfee guy. You know, Jacob. You know, Jacob, my youngest, my oldest son, 20 years old. Not a McAfee guy either. Yep. But there's a lot of 20 year olds, 21 year olds. There's that generation 
that has helped push David Pollock out because David Pollock was no different than Desmond Howard, no different than the other guy that's on there with him as well. Of course, he's going to be taking over the show anyways. But we should do, we should do the David Pollock drinking game in college because that was when he played at Georgia. And every time they mentioned David Pollock, you had to take a sip of your beer. You'd be drunk before before kickoff. They're like, you know, David Pollock and David Green are roommates. Only reason I know they're roommates is because they reminded me every thirty seconds. Boy, did you see? Yeah. Did you see David well, Pollock on play? I'm like, God, man, he just rushed the quarterback. <laughs> he had that like one David, play in South David Carolina where he. You you remember God, when what? he took that football out of Pinkins' hands and scored in the end zone in South Carolina? Man, every South Carolina fan yeah. was heartbroken at that moment. Oh, but at the same time, they're like, oh, did you see uh, <laughs> David Green threw a touchdown? I bet David Pollock gave him the play to throw. Like, shut up. <laughs> but this new guy, McCaffrey. David Pollock's dating David Green's sister. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, I forgot they dated. I mean, you know everything about him, and that's why we had the David Pollock drinking game. I'll never forget. It was when we lived in Gainesville. It was uh, Florida-Tennessee weekend, and um, three of my buddies were diehard Tennessee fans. So they're like, we're staying at your place, CT. I'm like, let's go. Stay down with us. Game day was there. We walk over, and David Pollock is there. And we all just paused, and we're like, we've completed the David Pollock drinking game. We've met David Pollock. We all shotgun a beer, and the game was non-existent from that day forward. And we told David Pollock <laughs> about the David Pollock drinking game, and he thought we were probably idiots. Oh. But that's why, that's why I love college football, man. Make me reminisce. But, those days. Now, now you here's, the, Florida here's the thing that i got to ask oh, you. Yeah. When, when you go back and you watch Clemson Tom, and, and, me and me and others talk this out, and this is – I didn't watch it as much last year because I'm just not a Pat McAfee guy. His, I could give a damn about his belt buckle. I could care less about what he wears, right? I, I don't watch it for that. I watch it for the novelty of how they cover stories, how they do what they do. The legendary Lee Corso, who, my God, if he's on this year, this could be his last year because I feel so bad, and I, and I applaud Kurt Kirby for doing what he does. Yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, but, but, of course, you know, you got Reese, Reese Davis over there. You got Desmond Howard over there, Chris Fowler. Then, of course, he was, a, he was a big staple there. There's been so many that have come through that, that whole flagship, but it's a different – it's just different. And I guess when they brought in Marty Smith from NASCAR – we kind of saw the change of, of ESPN really kind of going after clicks in light of the social media world and, and the whole we give a dang about that part than the actual part of what made college football, college game day so special. I mean, Bear, you know, I had this conversation. There's people don't even realize Bear's not coming back. He's gone. He's gone to Fox. I didn't know he has left the building. Yeah. So oh it's going to look a little different. It's going to sound a lot different. Yes. But I enjoyed his picks, man, because it was, he looked like a nerd. You know, like, what's this old bald guy <laughs> calling picks for? And he was good, man. He was like, he knew what he was doing in a, in a weird way. Right. But he was, uh, but he was good at but, it. And, and, and he, he made you believe. He put that staple up there. It was a guarantee. Pretty much. Shoot. Now, here's the thing. McCaffrey might grow on you. We might be like, all right, man, this guy ain't so bad. I mean, he jumped in the ball right. Navy River at one point. I mean, I don't know. But for me, he's a kicker. He is exactly yeah. – he is who we think he is. Okay? He is who we think he is. He is a special teams guy. When I played football, all right, I remember taking snaps and, and looking at my receivers and handing out the running backs. And, and here's the thing. 
here's the thing. I would look at the special teams guys, and they're over there taking selfies with fake cameras and, and, and striking poses. That's what this guy is. He is, was a kicker, and if I don't know for sure, so don't quote me. Just because it's on the Internet doesn't make it true. But I think his dad is somewhere in that office at ESPN, and I think that probably helps him out a little bit. He is entertaining, Maybe, yes, I don't know. but it's not the right place. For me personally, dude, look, he has his own show. That's great. And he's a lot more graphic when he goes off the air because when he's on the Internet on his podcast, like we are here and it's live, he can say and do what he wants. But save it for that. Don't break up with College Game Day has meant to so many, man. I love getting up at, at 8 o'clock in the morning, and my ritual never changed until this past year. I just couldn't stomach it no more. I mean, it's hard enough to watch Lee Corso struggling to put out words. Now i got to struggle listening to this guy who I wish would shut the hell up. No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, but, yeah, Corso's got to go, man. It's he's, he's it, Yeah. It's, it's, you're watching a man just can't put together words. And, and I'm, I, we're already seeing that already in other places. Come on, move it on. It, it's tough. Now, let's talk a little bit more. We did have a gentleman tweet at us and talk to him. He wants to hear about Louisville and the state of mind of Louisville. And that's yeah, been uh, kind of a weird conversation. I know Coach Stepp is over there, I believe. Uh, of course, uh, his brother's at South Carolina. He's a South Carolina uh, former ball player, former coach and all that. Um do we like what Louisville's doing once in time? Do we do we think they're going to start becoming a factor again in college football and at least in the conference? I don't know what they're doing because no one talks about them because they don't really do much. It's still Louisville. They right. start tailgating an hour before kickoff. You do that, I don't I don't got nothing I got nothing for you. I don't know anything about Louisville because <laughs> Louisville doesn't make splashes. They haven't done anything. Right. They're not doing anything. So yeah, that's that's what I know about Louisville. Not happening. Not much happening. So they were, at all. They had a what is happening? No. That's it. Now, what is happening is in Tennessee. Now, I did talk about this with Reggie, and I know you and I, we have a lot of love for the Vol Navy, right? How many times we got invited by uh, old uh, Chris there in Georgia, the long, the long fan in Georgia uh, that's a Tennessee fan. Yeah, the, God bless his heart. Uh, <laughs> we had some crazy calls the other day. We did. And we had the military guy, too, that was kind of – he was a Clemson guy, by the way. Uh, he was a little bit different, man. He definitely uh, he definitely he might have been on a few lists other than in the military. I can't remember his name, but he was a pretty entertaining guy as well. Yes. God, what do you think about this whole thing in Rocky Top, though? I mean, they've got 200 violations. They're, they're not going to miss a bowl game. So that's, that's big on recruiting right there. It seems like $8 million is, is interesting, but – Somebody mentioned this. You know, it's funny how, and this happens in South Carolina in high school sports. They, 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 they will take some people to the woodshed, and they'll put other people in the penthouse when they break rules. Like, some people have to go to the bad boy jail, and some people get to go to federal jail, right? In other words, some people are still eating, you know, the good stuff. They were cheating and weren't women. Like, <laughs> that's a word. I go cheating not women. That's a word. I go cheating and not women. It's the whole point. It's a cheap yeah. do-in. And, uh, yeah. I, man, I don't really care. I mean, probably the only reason they didn't is because everyone that was associated with it are, are gone. It's a whole new staff. Right. And they've come in and they've proven, hey, you know, we've changed. We're doing this now. That's probably why. Um, and, honestly, if here's the thing. If they would have cheated and would have had the success that, let's say, a Clemson would have had, um, then, yeah, they, they would have been – I think more things would have happened. 
But the fact that it was like, yeah, you cheated, but you, you didn't beat anybody. Oh, you gave money to some kids, but nothing happened. You didn't win. It was, it's almost, that's almost sad in its, in its own way. You know, like I can't get you in trouble because you broke the rules and still didn't win. Well, and then now you got someone <laughs> brand new that's doing it the right way. You know, so that is what it is. I still don't like Tennessee, though. Right. The only thing I well, like about Tennessee well, you is got shit like Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, no, because I, I, I'm I thinking now, that's kind of a touchy topic for you guys, though. Because, well, yeah, but what's happened last year in football me, season? We just saw what happened in baseball season, so I'm sure that's kind of a touchy topic. You you know me. I care for about 15 to 30 minutes, maybe the next day. Other than that, it's like, well, I mean, right. oh, yeah, that's right, Tennessee beat Whatever. Bye. I got other it's over. Going on. Right. Bye. Yeah. The car payments. <laughs> what do you think what's happening over there? Oh, yeah. So Northwestern has their deal, right? And that's another thing. We're, we're talking about breaking rules and doing things. The Big Ten yeah, every that, year that. seems to have a team, right? That's bad. Yeah. yeah. That was bad. That's different. That's that's different. I mean, right. come on. We both you, we both know that's completely different. Did it catch you off guard, though, with Fitzpatrick, though, or Fitzgerald? A little bit. I mean, I didn't read too much into it. I kind of saw what it was. I was. It's one of those things where being a dad, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good. I, I understand what happened. I was in a fraternity. I was hazed. I wasn't hazed like that, you know. Right. Them hazing me, they're like, CT, here's a, here's a bottle of vodka. Kill it. And I'm like, okay, you know, just gave Jordan a basketball. I'll step back, watch greatness happen. Um, it just it, – that was a different type of hazing. But, yeah, I didn't, yeah, didn't want to get into and, it. And that's it, the thing, too. It's, it's changed a lot. A lot has changed in, in sports, man. It's not what it was when we played. And this is where we start to sound like our dads, right? The whole I'll never be like my dad thing. And you kind of catch yourself making facial expressions. You're like, damn it. I, I can see my dad making this facial expressions as we're getting older uh, and, and having different epiphanies and different conversations. Because as we mentioned, and, and I'm not, I know you've got to roll here shortly to go hit some golf balls and of course, afterwards, head to Hooters, which I don't know why they're not sponsoring my boy Xander over there because you guys are tried. definitely in there every Saturday. I have, I have tried. I have tried. I, trust me. I have tried. <laughs> now, as we look at everything in a whole, we see what's going on in college football. We understand that time brings change, and change brings opportunity. Opportunity brings more listeners and things, and that's really what it is now. Have we now seen the transformation? that it is now an official business in college football, and it is without a shadow of a doubt. Because high school kids no longer have that easy road down that yellow brick road to college football power fives. Never really have, but definitely don't anymore, because now you see coaches. Davo not as big in the past, but definitely starting to get probably a little bit more into it. On the other side of uh, that line where Steve, you, you got Shane Beamer, who is definitely really taken into that transfer portal. I mean, these guys can really go into the 7-11 and go down aisle three and get a kicker, aisle four get a, uh, a wide receiver, aisle three get a running back. Yeah. So they basically cut out that freshman hiccup and get a guy that's already had it to get him in. So have we now seen college football transfer themselves completely into it as a business, entertainment, production going forward? A thousand percent. If you say, if you say no, please tell me how. Of course it's a business right. now. With the NIL, that, that pretty much sealed it. We all knew it was. We all knew it was a business. No one just wanted to say it because all oh, their amateur athletes. What We knew. Right. We knew. Um, 
But wait, if the NIL now, the way, like, like we were talking about earlier, like, you don't even need an NIL deal. You just, I mean, shoot, my my starting quarterback just got a brand new Chevy truck, $100,000 truck because of his name. And then he plays quarterback at Clemson. And he just posts about it on his Twitter because now people might go to that dealership and buy a truck because Kate Klubnick drives that truck. That's what they're hoping for. So, yeah, that's a, that's a business. Right. That's a sponsorship deal. It's the same thing with if someone signs, you know, with the Dolphins, and then next thing you know, you know, Miami BMW wants to give, you know, the, the brand-new quarterback a car because now he's going to post that on, on his Instagram. That's a business deal. But with even with the coaches, the, you got contract negotiations. You're going to see negotiations happen when it comes to the athletes. It kind of happened at Florida from what I was kind of gathering on, on the Twitterverse. Whether it was true or not, I don't know. But right. kids are going in there and going, you want me to come to your school? Well, your rival down the street offered me $500,000 more. And then that's a contract negotiation. That's a business. Then you got game day. You got the SEC network that's at your school. If game day is not at your school and it's a big-time game, then the SEC network is at your school. I'm pretty, I want to see pretty soon the ACC might have some. The Big Ten might have some. The Big Ten might have some. the Big Ten should just post up in Michigan and in Columbus and just call it a day and just broadcast those two schools on the on the reg because that's just that's, – those are the only two schools they have. It's a business at this point. If it's not, prove me wrong. It's a huge – well, I can promise you that we – We'll always keep the door open, the mic hot, and that chair ready for you, brother. I'd love to get you in as much as we can. We're going to actually, in August, by the way, going to start hitting Monday through Fridays. you remember those days, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8? We're coming back. I so do. maybe I can catch you on the yeah. way to work in the mornings, man. You ain't got nothing. We You're listening to Run DMC or whatever. Yeah, we had sponsorship. Celsius drink. Remember Celsius drinks would, would ship me a bunch of their energy drinks, and we had to talk about them in the morning. Now they're on the stock market. We talk about. I mean, we we were on the ground level, Richie. We just we were it. on that. Hey, look, we were on a race car. We were on a race car. We were. That happened. Oh my God! Like, you remember that? They did it. We were on a race car. We, we were going 200 miles an hour, baby. You couldn't see us. You just saw the blur. We were right there. <laughs> yeah, we were right there, buddy. Right there. But you know what's oh, crazy? I know you got to go with Xander, man. Tell Xander we said good luck and keep doing what you're doing, brother. I know he had a tough day uh, last weekend. I saw the look in his face, and I said, well, welcome to being an athlete. Good days and bad days. Enjoy the good ones because they don't stay forever. But I'm going to tell you something. um, You and I get back up and running like we never left, my friend, and it's always good to get you back in here. We'll catch up off the air again. Um, But I do have some things I want to catch up with you. we got some big-time sponsors, by the way, talking to sponsors. Can't release it right now, but we do actually have a pretty big sponsor who – uh, covers and smothers the state of South Carolina in style and takes care of homes across the state as well. So save that for the conversation soon to be heard. But tons uh, of time. Enjoy the day, brother. Enjoy the time building that family up, making those memories. And uh, until next time, man, stay safe. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We're actually pulling up now. So we have a good time, brother. Have a good one. All right, buddy. Be safe. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Clemson Tom. I tell you, he and I, we did it big. We had fun, and timing was, was everything. Uh, you know, as he uh, had so much going on down there, and he was coming up here, and uh, I will always hold him to the one quote that he will never live down with me. We were talking about Colorado, and we weren't talking about Deion Sanders because Deion wasn't there at the time. And Colorado, if you've ever been to Colorado, they've got these rocks on the hill. And he 
without it, without even thinking, said, who the hell would put a rock on a hill? <laughs> if you guys don't know, Clemson Tom is that a Clemson fan? And I looked him dead square in the eye, mic to mic, and on the other side of the microphone, I said, hmm, who would do such a dumb thing? And then name it Howard. <laughs> so, yeah, he and I had a good time, a lot of good laughs. Um, always, always a good time to have him in here and talk to us about uh, college football, high school football. He's down in Florida. He's got family here. Uh, in uh, South Carolina, his mom, of course, all them are from here. Uh, Miss Harriet, God rest her soul, he lost his mom uh, uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago. And I don't know what it's like. My mother and father are still here. Uh, but I can tell you, she was a big supporter of our show. Um, she was a huge part of what we did. Uh, and she would listen in and support us and criticize us in a good way. Criticism's not always bad, ladies and gentlemen. Take it as a compliment. That being said, I am going to give her a moment of silence uh, to recognize a woman who her heart, her soul, her, her life was surrounded by her family, uh, her grandchildren, and Clemson football. That being said, we'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central. When we come back, we're talking high school football. We're talking South Carolina, the Shrine Bowl Combine, and much more. But a quick moment of silence for Ms. Harriet, the one and only, and the number one Clemson fan in the country. claps we're ready tonight three claps three claps three claps 27 years ago I sat in this locker room just like you guys on a knee getting ready to play a game I walked down the locker room it still smells the same it takes you back real quick one of the things that caught me was how fast 27 years goes by There's so many people that live vicariously through you. I would give anything tonight to jump in one of these uniforms with you guys. Let's do something I never had an opportunity to do. My father never saw me play. You play for your father tonight. That feeling goes away. It goes away, and it doesn't come every Friday night. It comes when you get married. It comes when your child's born. So you get it. But you just don't get it every Friday night. You're going to miss that more than anything in the world. That's what I miss. And so you seniors that are focused on college, you're focused on your work after high school, what you're going to do next, you're focused on tomorrow, aren't you? You've got plenty of time for tomorrow. But these tonights, they're going by fast. You focus on tonight. This is about you guys. This is about the guys in this room that care about each other, that know there's only so many more of these nights left. It's about you. They're a faceless opponent. They just happen to draw the short straw tonight. Now get your asses ready to play. Win on three. One, two, three. I feel that you. Smell that fresh cut grass I'm back in my helmet, cleats and shoulder pads Standing in the huddle, listening to the call Fans going crazy for the boys that fall They didn't let just anybody in that club 
took every ounce of heart and sweat and blood to get the widow's game day jerseys down the hall. The kings of the school, man, where the boys are fall. Well, let's turn and face the stars and stripes and back them We would say to young kids, learn to dream. You can accomplish anything you want to. What a wonderful time in your life. I get excited when I see kids playing in the, in, in the backyard or um, at the schoolyard. Uh, the, the advice that I would give uh, a group of seven-year-old, eight-year-olds would be to have dreams. It's okay to work at those dreams, do whatever you can, but just have fun. and. and there's nothing wrong with dreaming big. I just like to see kids when I see, especially the younger kids, and when I see them playing, I just hope they're having fun. Football lessons we learn as kids and all continue to apply through the rest of your life. 
life is a team game. It's the big game. Anybody can be a leader, can be excited, can be first in line when things are going great. The test is when you battle through tough times, when things aren't perfect, where do you stand? Because you're not... Make it happen! Go! 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 Wear that with pride one time! You can't be quiet! You can't be unemotional! This is an emotional game! On that day, and at the end of your life, you look in the mirror, and you know you know, I gave it all I had, and I gave it for a worthy cause. You think about what that means. You think about what it means to me on your last play. This is my last play of football ever. My last play. How do I want it to be? How do I want to be remembered? Number one. Last play. Number two. Last play. One, two, three. Last play. Last play. Last play. Somebody that wants to do some leadership out there. Now we go. Come on, Hitch. Televise a leader. Now, for the utmost reports on sports of all sorts, let's join Richie Altman and Eugene Benton on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Young here live on Southern Sports Central. Glad to have you with us here. We, of course, uh, look forward to having another rest of this show here, bringing to you live from the coastline of South Carolina. Of course, you can follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. Hit us up on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Of course, uh, doing it big today. It's been a great show. An hour and a half is in the books, almost two hours. And we still got some more football to talk. We still got some more high school football to get into because today has been a great day for the state of South Carolina and the show of all shows. It's the granddaddy bowl game for their seniors, the Shrine Bowl. They're at the top of the charts on everybody's hearts. And today the invited athletes were there in a combine. We're waiting for Coach Smith to call back in. He was there uh, representing Southern Sports Central. I had great videos. If you haven't seen them, you can go to SO Sports Central on Twitter and catch it over there because uh, he did an impressive job keeping up with what's happening over there. Uh, of course, uh, always fun to talk high school sports here because, again, it starts there. It starts right there on that high school level with uh, these young men trying to get to the college level, then trying to get to the pro level. Where can they go? What can they do? How can they get there? Uh, a lot of kids showed up over there today at Brooklyn Casey. want to thank Brooklyn Casey for hosting the event. want to thank the coaches that are coaching this event that showed up to do what they did. You know, really you know, break down all these young men to see who's going to be the elite, who's going to be the best of the best 
And the cool thing is that we have other games. We have other other games that will be played after the Shrine Bowl. The North-South game is the next game up. They do an incredible job there on the Grand Strand. Now, there's some rumors. You know what they say. Some of those where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, that, that they could see a really big weekend coming up in Myrtle Beach with a few games to be played there. Uh, but uh, could we see the Shrine Bowl being played the same weekend as the North-South game? I like it. I love it. I want more of it. I would love to see the Shrine Bowl on a Friday night. And Saturday night, give me the North-South game. There's a ton of hotels. I mean, Spartanburg, not knocking you guys. Great place. Been there a few good times. No, got it. But would you rather go to Spartanburg, South Carolina, or would you go to go to Myrtle Beach? It's not a knock, though, because they do have great places there uh, in Spartanburg and Greenville. A buddy of mine owns a bar there, City Tavern. Go hang out with Scott. Oh, Scotty, tell him we sent you. But uh, could you imagine a weekend of champions, a weekend of champions there? And, uh, and of course, uh, Myrtle Beach. Uh, and here's my thing, because there is the conversation, and I did see this, and I don't know if it's been – completely confirmed yet. I haven't gotten the confirmation there, and I'm not going to speculate it, but I will talk about it, is that they're talking about they've moved from Benedict. They've moved from Benedict to South Carolina State, the champion weekend of high school football. So if they're going to do it that way, well, hell, let's go to my hometown. Let's make it at Coastal. Great field. Got the parking. Got the places to stay. Make it a weekend. Make it a weekend. Make it some night games. Let's start it on – if we need to start it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then let's do it. Let's give them the light shows. I personally like to see it back in Columbia at the University of South Carolina, not because I'm a Gamecock, but because it is the center of the state. It is a power five, a power five stadium that these young men may never get a chance to hang out in that locker room, may never get to catch a touchdown in that end zone. And they can play those games at night. Same thing, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday night. Give them night games and turn on those lights and give them the wow factor. Talking about the wow factor, let's bring in Coach Smitty, who, of course, is uh, on the road heading back probably towards his home. But all day today, he's been there at the Shrine Bowl Combine at Brooklyn Casey. Coach, I know you've been hanging out listening. You've been working hard for us on Twitter. We appreciate everything, buddy. Glad to have you on the show with us for the rest of the way. Yeah, glad to be here. You know, uh, just left the Shrine Bowl practices there, uh, Combine, and shout out to the Kingsmen here in Casey, South Carolina, Kingsman Restaurant. Any of the listeners out there, they need to know that uh, if you want a great steak or hamburger steak, Kingsmen, Casey, South Carolina, they can provide it for you. But um, Shrine Bowl Combine went well. They had a great group of kids out there and just uh, – more proof of the talent we have here in the state of South Carolina. Talk to us a little bit about it, Coach. Uh, as you got there this morning, you're always early, and that's how we were raised, get there early and stay late. But you did that. Check that box. But as you got there and you started to see a lot of these kids walk by, you feel good, though, don't you? You feel like our state is in pretty good shape. I know you mentioned a, an offensive lineman. And I may have to tag Joey Steele here in a little bit to find out who this dog is or who this well, gator is because he's a Goose Creek guy. Right. Say that again? It's actually at Lower Richland. You know, they call themselves the Creek now, too. So, uh, oh, Lower okay. Richland has a massive offensive lineman, that's for sure. 
Uh, there, there's, you know, the state's in great shape as far as talent goes. That was evidenced by today at the Trimbo Combine. There's several high-profile guys from Blake Franks at Greenville High, Carolina commit on the offensive line. To, uh, you know, you name it. There's Quashie Scott, a Kentucky commit in the secondary to, you know, just guys all over the field. So uh, definitely a great day for the state of South Carolina. Well, I can tell you one thing. I love to see all that going on on a Saturday morning there in the Midlands, of course, seeing all of our guys doing what they do. Now, now, Coach, for those who don't know, we know the step process. I just mentioned it. Of course, you've got uh, the, the Shrine Bowl, which is the Rose Bowl of our state. In my opinion, it's the Granddaddy Bowl. Then you got the North-South game. And then I'm going to go number three because I think Ken and those guys, their heart's in the right place. They do a good job over at the Blitz. They have their game, which is basically we were part of that for a couple years. As they used to just focus on the upstate, he and I met together. Matter of fact, at the last state championship weekend in Columbia, and it was the Wren versus Myrtle Beach. And we said, hey, let's let's partner up, man. I'm the lower state guy. You're the upper state guy. Let's make it an east to west and not a north-south. And let's do something. And we did it. And it was great. That was the first game. And guess who was the coach of that game in the Junior Bowl? You were. And we've seen it grow and get better. So you got three different games. And then the Border Bowl's there. There's another one, I believe, in Camden. There's a few other games that are getting bigger, better, but they're all doing it the right way. We appreciate you getting our athletes, you know, opportunity to be seen. But how does it work here? They take the top 65, top 60, and of course they'll play North Carolina. But uh, how many guys were there today and how many guys will get selected today or in the next couple of days? Well, there was, there was you know, there was right at about 100, 120 guys today. And, you know, the Shrine Bowl only takes the top 42. So um, they'll be, you know, and, and all the guys that were on the list did not uh, make it in attendance today. But uh, they got a hard job, those coaches. They got a hard job picking from all the talent in the state. There's, like I said, tremendous talent in this state. I think it's definitely um, undervalued nationwide, the talent in the state of South Carolina. Right. Uh, we should be right up there with the Georgias and Floridas and uh, as far as the number of high-level prospects that are put out there because our state is extremely loaded talent-wise in football. Right. There were so many guys there, and, and you're watching these quarterbacks. And, and, and tip of the cap to you, Coach, who represented Southern Sports Central, to Lou Bizjack, to Chris Deering. So many great guys doing great things on the sidelines to let us see uh, the camera work. And who knew, Coach Smitty, that you had such camera skills, my friend. Great job getting some of those in here today while we were live on the air. But when you started to look at these kids coming in from the upper state to the lower state, who was there? Who, who was there in attendance? Who, who grazed these guys? Uh, who picks these guys uh, when it comes down to picking uh, well, the, the 60, or excuse me, the 40-plus guys? Right. The Shrine Bowl staff was running the whole event along with uh, coaches from the north and south. So uh, both all-star games were represented, so they were able to uh, evaluate all these guys today and get a good look at them, and then they'll evaluate the first couple games and pick the teams. So, uh yeah, it was a great opportunity for a lot of kids. I mean, there was a lot of uh, so, you know, great, great chance to be seen, great chance to prove you belong in one of those games. Now, the rule of thumb is this. 
if you don't show up for the first combine, right, the ones that they did in Mer- excuse me, they did in Florence, I believe, upstate, they had one here in Charleston. If you don't show up to one of those, you don't even pass the first test. Is that right? You have to be at the first one, and then they have to select you for the one that was today. I would think I'm not sure on that. You know, I, you would have to ask one of their coaches. Uh, but I would think that that would be process would be to go to the combine first and get selected to this event, and then. Uh, but even with that, there'll still be some guys who didn't come today that will make both teams. Uh, you know, because of again, there's so much talent in our state, and uh, not everybody. You know, they they understand not everybody can make it. Especially this time of year, you got some college camps still going on. So uh, there, there's there's a few outliers out there. We'll say that. Now, of course, how does the process work? You've actually had a handful of guys that have played in this same game. Uh, what is the right. wait time? What is the the delay from today? When do they get that? First? Is it a phone call? Is it an email? Is, is it a Twitter uh, reveal? How do they do it? No, well, they won't find out until late October. You know, pretty much middle of October is uh, the date that they'll, you know, Shrine Bowl will release first, obviously. And then North-South usually follows a week or two later. So, um, so you know, around that October time frame is, is when they'll hear something. Now, it may or may not be public knowledge. I don't know. I, I've heard a few things, and, and I'm going to throw this out for conversation piece. Uh, is that currently the game is in, in, in Spartanburg, right? It's it's played there in Spartanburg. It's close to that North Carolina, South Carolina line. However, I believe there are a few that are looking at possibly moving this thing and making it a weekend of All-Stars, uh, not a weekend of champions, because that would be basically our state championship, but a weekend of All-Stars. And it would go to Myrtle Beach to join the same weekend that you would see the North-South game. Now, me, I said it before. I don't know if you were finishing up your meal there, Coach, and listening, but I said – that's not a bad idea. Not that I don't like Spartanburg. I've got no qualms with Spartanburg. But would you rather go to Spartanburg, South Carolina for a weekend, or do you want to go to Myrtle Beach for a weekend in December? You tell me. And I'm thinking Myrtle Beach is probably that city. Right. And I like to say, well, play the North-South game it, on a Friday it, night, and then Saturday night play the other game. You're right. I guess it depends on North Carolina, you know. I think here in South Carolina, right. I would bet you would have 100% agreement to move it to Myrtle Beach, but, uh, you know, you got to have another team to play, so you got to have North Carolina right. on board with that, and um, I don't know, right. you know, I know they've in past years mentioned moving it to Charlotte, you know, because again, you know, North Carolina has big cities as well, so right. be a deal where they have to move it around, I don't know, but um, Spartanburg's or, done a great job. Or do they do it every other it. year? I do know that. Right. Sure. And that, do they move it every year? And, and my thing is this, is the distance in Myrtle Beach, by the way, not too far from that border of North Carolina. You know, it's Wilmington. You know, it's, it's not Charlotte. We get it. Uh, but all those kids don't play in this game are from Charlotte. I mean, those kids are from the upstate right. of North Carolina, the mountains, all the way to the beach. So very similar to South Carolina. And I would imagine if I'm in Charlotte or if I'm in the Rocky Mountains of North Carolina, I would rather go to Myrtle Beach for the weekend. I mean, and then if I can get a weekend pass because – Wait a minute. Thursday night, the the Blitz is going to do something, and then uh, they're going to have their 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 thing, their event. And then Friday night, you're you're going to see that North South game. That's going to be real big. And then Saturday night, that's a Friday night. Saturday night, you're going to get the Granddaddy Bowl game, and you get a weekend pass. You get there on Thursday, you leave on Sunday, 
it's a nice weekend getaway. You stay on the beach, discounted tickets because it's in the winter. So you're getting tickets uh, to many things, and hotels are a lot cheaper in Myrtle Beach in the, in the December months unless they get wind of this and they change a few things. But let's be honest. I think it's an easier sell than anything or anywhere. I would rather go to Myrtle Beach most of the time than go to Charlotte if I'm looking for a vacation-style weekend. And, again, giving these kids an experience, going to Coastal Carolina, don't take it to Doug Shaw. No offense to Doug Shaw, even though that was my rival school in high school. No, no hate there. But I think go big. Go to Coastal. Go to that teal field. Give these kids a feeling what it's like to be on a college football field. And, and again, have that opportunity. It's a state-funded school. Very similar to we talk about South Carolina. question is, I feel that Coastal would probably work with these guys. As you're seeing, Benedict has done. And, and I want to also – we've seen the speculations. I don't know if we've got confirmation. You're, you're a high school coach here in the state. Can we confirm that the game is no longer at Benedict and it has moved – the weekend of champions has now been moved to South Carolina State in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Has that been confirmed, or is that just some conversation and speculations, Coach? That was confirmed as far as I know. Okay. Because I saw one source, one gentleman has a has, has a Facebook page, and, of course, those guys do a good job. They they kind of keep up with the smoke and the, and the heat and all the things that are talked about. And he said the old Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend, kind of feeling to me. Not to me, but to those who follow his page. And I was right. like, hmm, I wonder if that's a done deal. So, to me, yeah, it looks like we're starting the transition of moving this thing around every week, every year, or at least doing five-year contracts or two-year contracts because that leaves the Citadel a chance. Only, part, only problem with the Citadel may or may not be true. You play the Citadel. You're familiar with the Citadel. You just spent yesterday there. Parking's kind of a question for me at the Citadel when it comes to big weekends like this. They don't really have it. Charleston Southern, on the other hand, even though it's, you know, it, it's a beautiful stadium and it's easy access and they've got a field of dreams to park cars in. That could be another source to bring it to Charleston, to take it to Myrtle Beach and kind of move it around a little bit. If they're, they're, if they're going to do that to a few, you know? Right. What do you like about that, Coach? Do you like the factor, though? Do you, I, and, again, I, I am – maybe in a league of my own, because I want it back in Columbia. I want it back at williams Bryce. I want them to sit down with the president or Coach Tanner, who, who I have a lot of respect for for many reasons, and just say, look, we want to play in your stadium, but let's be honest, I don't have 9000 I don't have that type of money to put it into your pocket. Hell, it's hard enough for us to, to, to provide what we got half the time in our high school stadiums, especially with everybody doing not coming to the games as much and things aren't quite as busy as they were. I would rather it be in Columbia, but if they're going to move it around, I say let's move it around. I say let's take it to let's take it to Wofford one weekend. It's a weekend deal, you know. Go to Wofford, go to Furman, go to South Carolina State, go to Coastal, Charleston Southern, and hit the Citadel and make it a kind of a weekend thing and bounce it around. If that's what that's what we're looking at doing. Right. Well, again, obviously Columbia is the perfect kind of central spot to host state championships that would make the most sense if it was feasible uh, and again i don't have a dog in that fight either so i can't say but if they're going to move it around then i would suggest just splitting up all the divisions have 1a play in orangeburg 2a play in citadel 3a go to somewhere everybody bid out their own and um you know, whoever makes most money makes the most money. But 
Uh, if right. you're not going to have it in Columbia, there's no reason to have a weekend of champions in Myrtle Beach or anywhere else, whether they're going to Orangeburg or whatever. There's no reason to have a weekend of champions because you're not going to get a giant crowd when you're not in the center of the state anyways. So, right. um, you know, most people are going to be too far for them to travel either way. So when you start moving it around, you'll probably have to split up all the classifications and have them, you know, bid themselves out. But, uh, again, that's something for the high school league to figure out. Uh, I don't have a dog in that fight, but that's kind of right. where I would go if I was the old commission. I would just bid them all out separately, all five classifications, bid them out separately, whoever's the highest bidder to host them win, and um, try to make the teams the most money as possible if, again, you're not having a true weekend of champions, which belongs, like I said, in the middle of the state where everybody has equal distance traveling. Uh, That makes the most sense. That it does. Guys, we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but some breaking news kind of, uh, hit the airwaves yesterday, uh, and it was it was uh, it was day before yesterday. Excuse me, it was two days ago. It was on Thursday when we got the news and we got it firsthand a confirmation that the Lake City bus coming back from a camp was uh, in an accident with a tractor trailer, and it was a very and is still a very serious manner with some injuries uh, that have uh, led to a lot of prayer and a lot of thoughts. And I want you to keep the Lake City. Lake City group, the football team, the community, the families, the players, and the coaches in your prayers as they were uh, in a very serious accident coming back from a camp on Thursday afternoon. Uh, I did get this sent to me yesterday. Uh, The community uh, organization will have a community prayer. They will be inviting Lake City community and all those surrounding areas to join them at the high school football field on Sunday at 8 p.m. to pray for their head football coach, Ronald Baker, and I believe, uh, Coach, I don't know if you've got confirmation in a minute, you can tell us, but I think he was driving the bus, and word on the, right. what we've heard is he was airlifted out. Uh, so he has uh, had surgery from what I've been told. He is in stable condition from what I've been told recently. This is, again, uh, not in the minute, but what, I, what I've gotten, uh, Antoine Jones, Brian Edwards, Andre McFadden, Presley, Torrance Wilson, uh, all these are players and coaches that are still needing prayers, still needing uh, as much as they can get, and their families and this community has been rocked by a very tough situation. Now, Lake City High School prayers uh, for all the coaches, uh, all the staff, and the parents uh, show up tomorrow if you are in the Lake City area at the football stadium at 8 p.m. for a huge prayer uh opportunity to join together and again we've hashtag lake city strong one team one state one family strong here on southern sports central uh it is a very hard thing uh to report it it broke our hearts Uh, a lot of people have a lot of respect for this head football coach as well as we do here on southern sports central he's come on our show uh he's endorsed us and embraced us and welcomed us to lake city which i grew up not too far from lake city it's right outside of myrtle beach coming outside of the conway area right off the road, uh, going down to, what, 378, I believe, Coach. But uh, I know you also 52. are very Highway close to this, Coach, and you're very close to it. Okay. It is 52. That's correct. Yep, 52 so, and 378. As you know, you, you were close to it. Yes. Have you heard anything, Coach, on anything? Well, you know, I'm not going to 
comment on conditions and all that. I, I probably know a lot more than a lot of people. But we just want to make sure we send our utmost prayers and uh, hailing power to the Lake City community, especially Coach Baker. He's one of the great guys in the profession. And, and uh, send our prayers also to Athletic Director Matt Apicella trying to deal with this tragedy and, you know, uh, and, and then, of course, prayers up to all the players who were affected by it. And uh, hopefully everybody ends up healed up here shortly and ready to ready to play a great season. And we're rooting for them and rooting for Coach Baker for sure. And uh, we're going to be there praying with them and uh, keep them in our prayers, you know, as I know it's going to be a long road to recovery. But um, we know – God's will, he's going to heal up and be fine. Amen to that. We'll take a quick moment of silence again here as we end our number two and end it in style here. And, again, please keep that Lake City community, their families, the players, the coaches, and everyone who's been affected by this and the other gentleman that was involved in this. We don't want to overlook that other gentleman. We don't know uh, who all was in this accident, so anyone that was Uh, involved in this accident, continue to pray for them and their families uh, on their recovery. Because, again, we do have insides on the football team, the players, and the coaches. We do not know the other individuals in this accident. And, again, uh, please hoping and praying that they will be okay as well, guys. Quick break. Come back. Hour three, final hour, power hour coming after this, guys. Don't go anywhere. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday night. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons, I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men, and it's just beautiful. Welcome to Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman, Richie Altman. and Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elman here live on Southern Sports Central. Glad to have you with us here today talking some high school football here and some college football. We'll, we'll mix it up a little bit. We'll, we'll put the plate together because we had a solid survey of college football in hour one and half of hour two. And then, of course, uh, the second half of hour two into the rest of the show, uh, we'll talk high school football. And, of course, we will mix in some college football as it's been a great show. What a thing. Reginald Walker Jr., of course, a big-time name here on the show. He played his football, by the way, in college for Joe Paw at Penn State. He currently resides in Charlotte, North Carolina, in the Queen City, just above us here in South Carolina. But he, of course, has his own show called The Shutdown Corner. That's over there on ESPN, 730 The Game. Uh, you can hear him live in Charlotte. We'll tweet out his information uh, later on today. But until then, uh, make sure you give him a follow. Clemson Tom, how about that? Struck the band back together, put him on the mic and on the air here with me. Of course, he is traveling with Xander, the next up-and-coming PGA champion. Can't wait to see that young man do great things. But uh, Clemson Tom, of course, came in. We talked a lot of college football, talked a lot about what's going on, and uh, fun to have him in. And now we have Coach Smitty. Coach Smitty is one of our great coaches here in the great state of South Carolina. He is also part of the team here at Southern Sports Central, and he was over at the Combine that just wrapped up about an hour or so at Brooklyn Cases, and they are going to take 100-plus kids that were there, shrink it down to about 45, and name them a football team, and it will be uh, played after the season has come and gone in the 2023 season. So with that being said, we bring back in Coach Smitty, who I know uh, you're probably heading back to the house now. And, uh, man, I tell you, you coaches, number one, I'm not going to let you rest, Coach, anyways, because now you're officially part of the staff. You get to tweet out with us and do some things with us here on the show uh, as uh, anybody else who has a name on the seat over here. But traveling is part of what you do, guys. There is no sleep for the weary. And you almost wish you got paid by the mile to be a head football coach in high school now, don't you? Yeah, that'd be nice if we did, but I don't see that happening. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a good one. You know, we talk about this too, though. I mean, you guys wear so many hats, and the smaller the school, the more the hats you wear, right? I mean, same could be said for high school athletes at 1A and 2A. You're doubling up. You're playing offense, defense. You're playing special teams. You're doing big things. Well, the same goes for you guys. Y'all are cutting the grass. You're marking the field. You don't have – I don't know. Do you have one of those fancy markers that I see, those robots that are marking fields now, or you're the old chalk? No, we don't have those. You know, I'm old school. I do it myself. So we don't have one of those fancy robots. Yeah, and they're cutting the you're cutting the blades with the with, with the scissors. Yeah, some of that going on down there to make sure everything's nice and clean and cut. Say that. Well, you know the thing is, and I just saw North Myrtle Beaches, and we retweeted, and, and it's good to see. I know my high school where I went to soccer. See, they now have a turf field, and uh, I think Conway's. If they don't yet, they're going to. I know North Myrtle Beach just got theirs. Uh, Fort Dorchester, the Patriots, right down the road. Uh, they're actually in the process of having theirs put down. Somerville's had theirs uh, this year. And i tell you what, guys, listen. High school football is impressively impressive in a lot of ways. As much as I, I, I don't like the turf, guys, I'm not a turf guy. I'm a grass guy. I like the smell of the grass. I love the, the atmosphere that it brings. But I respect the look, right? It's a good painting. It looks good. You know, it comes with its own issues that I don't care much for. But it works, and it's easier to recover more than not, right? The money it takes to repair grass and to get all this, that, and the other, I get it. But if you ever go to Somerville High School on a Friday night, guys, I'm going to tell you something. Number one, they have the turf. Number two, 
They still have the old bleachers, which I think are great. And they, of course, you could pay a little extra money and get you a nice one of them back seats with a nice cushion on it. And they have the light shows, right? They cut the lights out and the and the thing starts going crazy. And then they micro they mic up the referees. Smitty, that is that is huge. I mean, did I ever think I'd be able to? I, you know, used to be, you know, I, I never get a chance to really watch the refs because I'd be on the sidelines. But I can imagine it's like watching sign language is what it was for me in the box when I used to be the play-by-play guy on ESPN for Somerville trying to figure out what they're saying. But now, man, it's college football NFL ready, man. They hit the microphone and boom, there it is. How crazy is that? Yeah, that's big time if they're doing that. <laughs> that's That's got to be impressive. I mean, and, and, and again, uh, let's give a plug to high school league. And you can find it in the South Carolina high school league. Uh, website, if you want to be a referee and take your talents from yelling from the stands to the football field, they'll give you an outfit, a whistle, and they'll pay you. It's like if you do two games a Thursday and a Friday night, you can make $300 on a, on, on a night, on a weekend, excuse me. I talked to the coach from Andrews, and he was like, it's not a bad gig. Coach Durham, good, good friend of the family here at Southern Sports Central, comes on, supports us at all. But he said he did that in college. He said he did it, and, and, and he's better for it because he got to learn the rules. That's some of the questions that, 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 of course, we need to work on that as well, getting these, getting these, these referees acclimated to, to, to everything. But it's a, it's a very small picking to pick from. I mean, all these, you know, the, 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 the pin wagers and the guys that have been the pioneers of, of sports. You know, Mr. Tolleson, who is a, a big-time referee up at Clemson, played at Clemson. You know, these guys are, are exiting stage left. They've seen their time come, and, and they're ready to go. Now, if you want to be a referee in the state of South Carolina and you want to make $300 for a Thursday night and a Friday night game, I mean, you're talking just a few hours each night. And if you travel, you make a little bit more money. And I understand that most of those guys are put together as a team. They travel together as a team, but they still have to pay each referee the way they pay them, whether y'all travel together or not. Chris, you can kind of talk a little bit more about that as well. But, again, that is a need in our state because with no referees, there is no Friday night light. Right. There's a huge need. There's a huge shortage, just like teachers. So hopefully more people sign up this year and we're not having to cancel games or play games on a Thursday night. I don't like Thursday night games at all. I think football, high school football especially, belongs on a Friday night. It does. Now, you do see Thursday night games that are happening. Uh, They do move some things around. I know South South Carolina is starting to get into this in Charleston and in Georgia – you know, we've got some, some partners that we have in different high schools there in Atlanta that we work with, that they all share the stadium. Now, here in Charleston, they do that in Charleston at the stadium over there by the uh, the Interstate 526 and almost on the corner of 26 and 526. But they have to – I think it's what four different high schools are in this stadium. I don't like that part. I'm not a fan of that. I understand economically what they're trying to do, but there's something to be said about having your own stadium. Now, again – it took me a little while to get used to Somerville situation because I grew up in a high school to where our football field was right by the stadium. And we were one of the sweet 16s. We were one of the biggest high schools in the state. I mean, you know, so it wasn't like we were a small school by no means. But there was a tradition. There is a tradition in Somerville where downtown is the old high school. They kept the football field. And that's where they go. Now, there's some things I think they could actually do, like a marching in from downtown on every Friday night, kind of how – you see colleges do it. I think it would be so cool. I tell you, this town would wrap their arms around it and it would just make it almost in every home game where they would march from the Hutchinson Square down to Somerville Football Stadium. It would be a cool tradition. 
lead it with the van and follow it with the football team and the cheerleaders as they would walk their way into to the stadium. That'd be kind of neat. Or drive the bus in that way. Let the bus rock back and forth, which is what Fort does as they come into their stadium that's on the campus. But you're seeing a lot of transferring things, and I worry and I don't want to see us get away from the tradition, the history, and the, the full meaning of Friday Night Lights. You heard the commercial there with, with Marvin Smith. There's just something different. You played college football. I played college baseball. But as an athlete in college, high school football and, and, and of course, in, in high school baseball, it was a lot different than going on a Saturday or baseball. You know, you travel all week. But that Friday night, smell of the grass, the stands. I mean, when you go to Barnwell or you go to Abbeville or you go to Dillon, you still go to some of these smaller schools that really light it up on Friday nights. I mean, the town is empty because they're in the stadium sitting on the walls or up in the trees or eating their hot dogs wherever they can find them, right? That's the worry that I have that we'll get away from and that I hope we never do that makes Friday night so much more special than the Saturdays and the Sundays in a lot of ways. Right. Well, I hope also someone mentioned it on social media the other day about going back to 8 o'clock p.m. games. I hope they do that. I think 7.30 is too early, especially for the season, too hot. You have to delay the game. It takes, you know, kind of takes the momentum out of the game, takes the fans out of the game. I think that I know why they went to 7.30. Obviously, officials have home lives, too, and you don't want them traveling too late. But to me, 8 o'clock is the perfect time. I think right. it makes sense for everybody nowadays, like I said, because we're seeing diminishing crowds no matter where you're at. So, but give them an extra 30 minutes to get to the ball game. I think that'll make a big difference. What is your take on this? And, and one thing, David Shelton, one of the best beat writers I've seen maybe ever, but definitely one of the best here in, in, in the area here. I can tell you that for, for all facts and purposes. He, he, he says it every year, you know, every year we, we start in August and in September when it's damn near the hottest months of the year in South Carolina, definitely here on the coast. Uh, as it's hot now. So if it's hot in July, imagine August is going to be unbearable. Uh, September is just going to be incredible. Uh, but he talked about it starting later. Remember when we played? And I know you grew up yeah, in the Labor North, but, but you still – yeah, we played after Labor Start Day. after right. Labor And we Day. had to in Myrtle Beach. Right. Right. Well, in Myrtle Beach we had to because it was a tourist industry. And back then they didn't recruit people from other countries to run the rides and to run the water parks and to run the golf courses and the putt-putts. So the kids did right. it. We did it. We were the workforce, right? And they got away with it. It was cheaper right. labor, and we didn't care because we were having fun running the, the Grand Prix right. and the and all the rides at the pavilion. Well, I've mentioned that you, several Would you like to times. see us get back all, to that? I'm all for it. I mentioned it several times. actually spoke, you know, on a committee about it, and we were told that they can't move basketball season. Uh, you know, we've run into basketball season, which to me is a crock of you know what, but um, right. that's, again, not in my pay, pay league. I'm not making decisions for the classifications or for the high school league, but to me it makes perfect sense to play your first game Labor Day, to, you know, right after Labor Day. You still finish the season right there before Christmas. Uh, state championships will be played that week before Christmas. Still got plenty of time for basketball season. You know, basketball is a non-contact sport mostly. You play indoors, so you're not worried about weather. 
So it makes sense to push basketball to start, you know, basically January 1. You would still end basketball on time. So to me, those are all just, they don't make any sense, those excuses. But if you truly care, if you truly cared about safety of playing right. in August at all, like there, and you, you right. should really be limited on padded, you know, padded practices in August. You know, you should really be starting to pad up near the end of August and then getting ready for, uh, like you said, the week after Labor Day being the kickoff, the grand, you know, first game of the season. But you know, but for some reason here, we're dead set in our ways. Uh, we don't really care about safety, even though they claim they do. Um, they don't, it, it's just not on their priority list. And they can fudge it any way they want, but the facts are the facts. They know it's 110 degrees. They still make them make those games. And they'll say, well, you don't have to schedule it. Yeah, you do, because then you'll fall behind because everybody else is playing because they're allowed to play. So that, that's, that doesn't make sense either. But, you know, if we were truly about safety, it would start after Labor Day. It would be a lot cooler. You wouldn't, again, you know, what we do now for the past at least eight years I've seen uh, that week zero and week one games, there's a million heat delays, the fun out of the game, kids, you know, suffering just to get through it. It's not enjoyable for anybody, right. and it's not enjoyable. You also notice in those first couple of weeks, the crowds are, are way down because again, no one's going to sit out in a hundred degree heat unless they're just a true sports fan. Not even the parents; they'll come afterwards to pick the kid up, and we've seen that. So it, it's insanity that we keep doing the same thing, and um, but I don't see it changing. Unfortunately, I think. Like I said, we're setting our ways in some ways in this state, and that's just the way it is. You got to deal with it. Hanging out with Coach Smitty, part of the family, part of the team, and of course, uh, a voice on Southern Sports Central. I'm Rich Yaldman, and we'd love to hear from you on some of this. If you're a high school coach, an athlete, a parent, maybe you're on the board at the high school. Like, I don't know. I don't care. I'd like to hear from you if you have a thought process here, because th- there is a-, a loud voice that needs to be heard on certain levels. And some people are scared to say it. It's just the way it is. I, I guess you're scared you're going to get reprimanded. I, I don't know the deal, but what's got to be more important is the safety and the common sense movement than it is the, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings movement. Right? So if you want to be that guy or that lady, come on in. 515-602-9675. You can follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and hit us up on Twitter at SO Sports Central. I do believe here, uh, we are going to be joined by uh, the athletic director, Coach, uh, and I'm going to let you hang out with us as well uh, as uh, going forward. Coach Shane Fiddler is going to join us. Of course, he is the athletic director over there at uh, at Airport High School. Glad to have him there. He's also the head football coach at Airport. Uh, he's a big-time player in a lot of things. Uh, when you see him around, I know he spent a lot of time with us here. At, uh, he spent a lot of time with us here on Southern Sports Central during his days at, at Waccamaw, where he started this run. And then he came over to Ashley Ridge, and he did a great job taking over from Kenny Walker, who uh, is over at uh, Fort Dorchester. Kenny, of course, a big fan of the show as well. But, you know, he took it to another level, built that youth program up over there uh, with a guy uh, who I can tell you puts a lot of energy and, and effort into it. You start him in the youth, they'll follow through pretty easy. And Gary Birdsong actually runs 
the youth Swamp Fox is over there. But I know he'll miss him, and he's probably got another dude up at the airport that can help him. But uh, I'm going to get Shane in here in just a minute. Uh, Coach will join us. He'll talk to us a little bit about what he saw today. I believe he was there. Uh, but he's also got his own he thoughts was. and opinions as well. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Coach, we'll get him in. And uh, he actually just called in. So we're going to get him mic'd up, get him settled in, and uh, we'll do that soon as we come back. So, Coach, hang tight. We're coming to you right back. Coach, you hang tight as well, Coach Smitty. We're not going anywhere. You and I will be right back after this. Uh, you're listening to Southern Sports Central right here on southernsportscentral.com, Southern Sports Central on Facebook, and on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Guys, don't go anywhere. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line, engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up, churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank, fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns, their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down, the fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still as fast as it can The sun has gone down And the moon has come up And long ago Somebody left with the cup But he's driving And striving And hugging the turn And thinking of someone For whom he still burns He's going the distance He's going for speed She's all alone All alone In a time of need Because he's racing And pacing And plotting the course He's fighting And fighting And riding on his horse
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yeldon, live here on a wonderful summer day here in Somerville, South Carolina. The coast, if you will, of the Palmetto State is where we hang out currently, and we love to have all of our coaches on. Coach Smitty's in here with us, and guess what? He used to be an athletic director. He knows the deal. He knows the drill. It's good to have him part of the team, but we're getting a little bit stronger. We're going to get a little bit better because we're bringing in from Airport High School the athletic director, the head football coach. We love him. Glad to have him with us, the one and only coach, Shane Fiddler. Coach, welcome to the show, buddy. Glad to have you back home with us here in Columbia, hey, hey. by the way. How we doing? What's happening, buddy? How's life up there in Columbia, man? It's hot up there. You don't have a beach breeze like you had here in, some, in Charleston. I know you got to drive a little bit further west to get to the lake, but, yeah, we uh, <laughs> we, we don't have the beach breeze anymore, but, you know, we, uh, we get rain every day. I know that. Ooh, Jesus, man. First of all, miss you guys, man. Miss the family, miss the little one, miss everybody uh, that you guys did so many great things at Ashton Ridge, and God has blessed you, continuing to bless you with opportunities because you're doing it. You're doing it the right way with a huge heart along the way. Uh, but we do miss you here in Dorchester County. We miss you in Charleston uh, overall in the Tri-County area. But uh, proud of you, man. I know you've worked hard. You did it the right way, and you've always uh, – welcomed us to be a part of your family, whether it was your time at Waccamaw or your time here in Charleston. Uh, but being the athletic director and the head football coach, making big strides and being a part of that big-time coaches association here in South Carolina, man, uh, just proud to have you back in here with us. Yeah, we uh, you know, we're, we're, we miss all the people from Ashley Ridge. Um, we create such good relationships over the years, and that team's going to be really, really good this year. I know Coach Tate's a great coach, so he's going to take them to the next level places we we didn't take them already so i'm really excited for them but you know being an airport is a blessing just a unbelievable facilities unbelievable tradition you know just a chance to do really great things and and uh turn this program around and give them to where uh the alumni community uh, know it should be hanging out with the athletic director the head football coach uh, the one-stop shop at athletics at airport high school there in columbia south carolina the capital city of the palmetto state the one and only Coach Shane Fiddler. Coach, uh, that was a big move for you guys. And you and I haven't had a chance to do this on the air, but I did get to see you once before you left here recently. Um, it was a big move, man. And it, as it was a big move for you to leave a welcome up because you, you guys do what you do. And let's be honest, you come in, you, you sit down with parents and, 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 and other coaches and families and players, and we sell them what we got, right? But an opportunity That's prevails, right. no different than a night than anybody else. And you you had to believe in your faith, and you did what you needed to do, and you you're getting rewarded by doing it the right way. How hard was it for you to leave uh, everything that you and and I mentioned old Gary Birdsong, good friend of ours uh, together, but he's done great stuff with that youth man. He's definitely taught uh, me some things on how you build up the youth the right way, and I know uh, he left a mark on you as well. Oh yeah, the, they uh, they did such a great job building the youth program at Asher Ridge for us, you know. They had two 12U teams, two 10U, two 8U, and a 6U. I mean, that's just an unbelievable amount of uh, players out there. We'd walk off the practice field at 630. They're walking on with their army of kids. You know, we built our, our uh, high school program up to two JV teams. So we had a thing really, really rolling. And, you know, looking those kids in the eye and telling them that you're leaving to go do something else, that's probably the hardest thing you have to do. You know, I know Coach Smitty's done it. You know, that's just – it's it's difficult to do. You know, I did it at Waccamaw, and it was – you know, really, really hard, and there's tears, and the kids just don't understand, and and then, you know, and then you do the same at Asher Ridge, and they they don't get it, and you know, and, it, and it's hard to tell them why you're doing it. You know, hey, this is 
why we're leaving and da da da, and they they don't they don't understand and. I don't blame them, but I, I still try to stay in contact with those Ashley Ridge kids we built relationships with. Saw one today at the Shrine Bowl come. I gave him a big hug, told him if he needed anything, just let me know. And, but I know they're going to have a great season. Hanging out with Coach Shane Fiddler, big-time playmaker in the great state of South Carolina. Coach, you Coaches Association, you guys are, are, are a huge fraternity. You guys love one another, communicate together. We were very blessed last Sunday to be endorsed by you guys after having – uh, one of your own here come on the show last Saturday, and he did an amazing job. And like I've told you before, man, this is your radio show. This is the voice of the coaches of South Carolina. We're here to protect you guys. We are basically, uh, for lack of better words, um, uh, we're your safe place, right? We want to help you guys get the word out. We want to give you guys a chance to be heard because you don't always get that chance. And you've known me for a good while now, Coach, and, and you can tell that I'm here for the players and the coaches of South Carolina. But tell us a little bit more about how this bond continues to get bigger and stronger in our state and how it's playing a big role. Well, you got to give Jimmy Noonan and Lee Taylor and Nate Thompson and, of course, Mike Ware before them, all those guys, Johnny Roscoe, a lot of credit for what they did to uh, get that coaches association really, really, really rolling, and now they've expanded it. You know, first they started with the Palmetto Combine Series. Neil Smith, uh, the assistant head coach over at White Knoll, he has really taken that thing and, and made it the best resource for college coaches of any state in our country. You know, no one does it better than Neil Smith and the Palmetto Cars getting data on our accurate data on our kids and giving kids an opportunity to showcase their skills and, and put measurables out there for college coaches. I mean, you can just see, see it in the offers. I, you know, at first hand, we had a kid at Ashley Ridge, Christian Garland, some old dominion. He went to that Palmetto combine series, hit 23 miles an hour on the catapult. Boom. That was, non-stop phone calls after that because it was verified data mm. so we're real thankful for um for the coaches association and neil smith for doing that uh for everybody in, in our in our state i mean just like you work hard for kids and coaches in our state those guys are too and then of course you know a few years ago i was lucky enough to be on the uh, afca 3535 the national uh list thing it was awesome and you know i got back and i was like man we really could do something like that here in our state so I started doing research, and I saw some other states were thinking about doing it, this, that, and the other. And I was like, okay. So then I um, started putting a plan together and brought it to Jimmy Noon and Lee Taylor and those guys, and they said, okay, let's do it. Let's give it a shot. And here we are a year after making the plans, and uh, in a week and a half, we're going to have that first 35 and under academy. Chose 15 guys from across state, five head – I think it's four head coaches or five head coaches and five coordinators and five assistants, something like that, 15 guys total, and – and they're going to have a day of professional development, get to hear from different speakers and like Perry Woolbright and, um, you know, J.P. Gunner at Catapult, who also helps with the Colorado Combines. He's going to talk to him about recruiting and, you know, Derek Howard. And we can go on and on. The list of speakers is on uh, uh, Twitter. There's a whole list. You know, principals, you know, Dr. Andrew McMillan. So just it would be a great day for those guys to um, get some good professional development and then, start creating a little fraternity of younger coaches that we can develop off of and build so we can stop having coaches from other states come and take our jobs and also just to keep the, the pipeline going long-term so we have great coaches in our state. Hanging out with Coach Shane Fiddler. He is the athletic director and the head football coach at Airport High School there in Columbia, South Carolina, big-time athletic program up there in the capital city. Coach, you and it's you know I want to of course you're the coach you're the athletic director wearing multiple hats and uh, doing a lot more than just that behind the scenes I know that from watching you uh, you mentioned something that I've really never talked about on this show 
how do these coaches – you see coaches constantly. Matter of fact, here in Charleston in the area, and say the Tri-County area, we've had two coaches coming in from outside, right? And I say outside because one coach came from Georgia. He's at Hanahan. One coach came from Florida. He's at Berkeley, right? How does, how does that fit inside the coaches' association? I, I know you guys try to keep the coaches promote within the state, right, like you do at a job, right? You want to see the guy learn it from the base and learn it from the dishwasher all the way to the fry line, all the way to being the head chef. Is that kind of the mindset that your coaches' association are trying to get those who hire to understand we want to keep our guys running through the state to kind of keep growing the state the way we look at it? Well, people are going to hire the best candidate they think that can run their program. And so our job, I think, is to develop people into being the best candidate. And we can do that by, you know, building that professional development, uh, building those connections, mentorships, et cetera. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not the mentor for people. I'm only going on year seven and, you know, done some things. But, you know, there's a lot of really great older coaches that can be mentors to these older, uh, younger coaches. I'm just trying to facilitate that and help as much as I can get that, get that set up so we can keep developing um, all our up-and-coming, our youngest coaches. You know, I'm going to get professional development now, but, too, I'm going to be sitting in that room taking as many notes as I can as well and, and just keep developing everybody. And that way, when a job comes open and they apply for it and they get an interview, then they can, they can be the best candidate, you know, and they can be the best for their programs they're at now. That's, that's the goal. You know, obviously you can't fault principals and superintendents and such and ADs for, for hiring potentially someone from out of state because they're going to, they need to hire the best person for their program that they feel. And that person's coming from the North pole or Florida or wherever, it don't matter. They got to, they got to hire the best. So we just got to develop people so that the way they are the best. Right. And, and I agree with you, and, and, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, Coach, when I say this, but as a man that grew up in this state, playing in this state as a high school athlete, football and baseball, in my football days at Sockacy, you could have taken almost any one of our assistant coaches and made him a head coach because he was trained up and brought up the right way. It was the old Coach McKissick days, and, and of course, I can name a few other great coaches around as well that really kind of took the time to not only train their athletes, they trained their coaches. I mean, Coach LaPrade, one of those guys as well. You know, LP stepping down from his position and getting into the office and uh, walking away from the football field in, in that manner, at least, uh, this year. Going to be look a little different in the low country this year, Coach. But uh, I applaud you guys for this list, by the way. And I'm looking at this 35 and under, building them up, right? You're building it up. And you've got guys like Dr. Andrew uh, McKillen. You've got Harry Cavanaugh. You've got Eric Bendig. You've got Chris Collins, Derek Howard, J.P. Gunner. Bart Owens and Matt Campbell, Jimmy Noonan, Jeff Tate, Nate Thompson, Paige Wolford, Perry Albright, Matt Real, Marlon Tyler, and Jamie Johnson. Those are some big names that all together have a different story, kind of like superheroes, that each one of those guys will bring something different to the table. Coach, how did you go about, or how did y'all go about fixing and naming the guys that are speaking at this event? Well, the first thing was to figure out um, what topics people wanted to hear, you know. Like when I went to the AFDA 35 under 35, you know, I was one of two high school coaches, and they talked about the rest were college coaches. They talked about hiring agents and search firms. I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. So how can we develop a, a, a curriculum or a to- list of topics that will be relative to the guys that are going to be sitting in that room? Well, so we went through it, and, you know, we talked about, all right, hey, how do you get kids recruited? How do you develop a budget, right, the guys from BSN who are sponsoring – um, the event, they're coming in, Bart Owens and, and Matt Campbell, they're coming in to talk about, all right, how do you budget? How do you order things? You know, because a lot of people don't know that when they first get a job. Or, you know, there's always – you might think you know what you're doing, but, you know, 
they might tell you from a, their perspective, hey, here's how you can do it better. So that would be great. Then you got, you know, Perry Woolbright, who has been in a bunch of different places. He gets to come in and talk to him about how he's navigated his career. You know, Chris Collins, who was my D.C. at Asher Ridge, he was head coach Collin County, Loris Lakewood, all those places. He's going to talk about – he's now in the real estate world. So he's going to talk about when you take a new job, how that affects, you know, real estate and how to move and how to look for a place and the things that you should be eyeing up and looking for. I mean, that's something very, very specific topic, but it's an important topic, you know. Then you got, you know, Derek Howard and J.P. Gunner are going to talk about getting kids recruited. Eric Bending's going to talk about social media. You know, Jamie Johnson, Marlon Taylor, you know, those that and Matt Real, they're going to be sitting there doing a roundtable at the end, you know, basically letting the guys who have developed questions all day to bring them up to those guys. They're all, you know, younger head coaches that uh, are were sitting in their seat at one time, and now they, they've, you know, worked their way through, but they might have some, some knowledge to drop based on some questions that guys come up. And you got uh, Jimmy Noonan and Jeff Tate, Nate Thompson, uh, Jimmy Noonan, the executive director of the Coaches Association, Nate Thompson, the current, current president, Jeff Tate will be president. I think uh, July 31st or something like that is when his date he becomes president. So, you know, they get to come in and talk about the role of the coaches association. Then Dr. Andrew McMillan, who hired Harry Cabinets at Chapman, they're going to talk about the interview process, what principals are looking for, what coaches should be doing, so on and so forth. And I'm, I'm sure I may have missed a topic or two in there or a guy, and if I did, I apologize. But just trying to find specific topic or how to go to a clinic. All right, how to get the most out of when you go to a clinic, how to get the most out of it. He's done a great job. I love that because I went and clinched with him, you know, 10 years ago to learn about their stuff at Northwestern. So he's great at it. So that would just be great for all our guys that are in that to, to get, to hear different topics, all kinds of different stuff, and to hear from, you know, experts or, you know, guys we consider experts in those fields talk about uh, talk about them and help everybody develop their, their careers and, and start uh, formulating their ideas for what they're how they're going to handle everything down the road. Hanging out with Coach Shane Fiddler. He is the athletic director, head football coach at Airport High School there in Columbia, South Carolina, part of our big-time coaches here in the great state of South Carolina, just kind of giving it up, telling us what's going on around the coaches' world. We talk players all the time, but it starts with our coaches. These are the men that are molding our young men, getting our young athletes ready for that next step in life, whether it be in the athletics or it be the military or just going to work at any job as they prepare their mind today for what they see tomorrow. Now, Coach, if I'm not mistaken, this is in Greenville. It starts on the 24th, if I'm not mistaken, on a Wednesday or Thursday, and it goes through the weekend? It starts Sunday, and then it runs through Sunday. Wednesday. Okay. It, it concludes – it always concludes on Wednesday afternoon with the football uh, coaches' rules meeting. And then right at the end you see – 200 football coaches sprinting out trying to beat Greenville traffic to get home. <laughs> Never, it's the same. Or, or when it's in Charleston, 200 football coaches getting out to beat Charleston traffic to get home. So that part's always funny. Everyone wants yeah. to say hi to each other. Everyone's like, we got to get out here and beat the traffic. So everyone's rushing out and just, you know, nodding their head at each other and rolling. <laughs> Good luck beating the Charleston traffic at 430 on, on any given day uh, going I-26 yeah. westbound because it's not happening. You might as well just – hang out until eight or nine and just get to know each other a little better. When, when you guys put this thing together, how great is it, though, to see everybody, you know, at the end of the day, put down their boxing gloves and put down their tweets and their, and their, and their whatevers and actually sit in the room together going, okay, look, we're, we're, our job is the same job, all right? Some of us have it easier. Some of us have it harder. Some of us have better facilities. But at the end of the day, we still have that same title that we share called a head football coach. How much do you guys horn on that when they guys when they get into that room? Because I don't think it's any Hackfield or McCoys when they come to these meetings, right? 
no, I, no, I, you rarely see that. You know, everyone's there, you know, chopping it up in the hallways and, you know, shaking hands and hanging out in the in the rules meeting. Everyone, the, the villain of the rules meeting is the guy telling us about the new rules. That's the <laughs> that's the person I feel the worst for. He's up there like, all right, now defensive coaches holding calls this year are now going to be from the original last scrimmage, not from the spot of the foul. You're going to hear defensive coaches, dang it, that's, you know, an offensive rule. And that, that's the person you feel bad for at the clinic. But, you know, the clinic's great. You know, it's, it's many people try to get there as possible. You know, it's harder for the lower state people to get there because it's in Greenville. Uh, the Coast guys um, be great if it was in the middle of the state. But we got it in Greenville this year. I'm not sure where it's at next year. But, and they do such an awesome job uh, with it. And, getting it set up, making sure that there's professional development opportunities. You know, everyone's got to be CPR certified. They they have CPR um, classes that people can take. You know, they do every sports rules meetings. The vendors are there. If you're interested in a product, you can check it out or create relationships with vendors, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's really good. Um, and uh, we've been doing, you know, obviously doing it forever. As long as you've been a coach and everyone's been doing it. So you know, just get up there and, you know, see some old buddies right before the season starts, and then you get back home Wednesday night, and then you got a you know a day off or at least a planning day, and then you start practicing on Friday. Gotcha. Before I move you from the athletic director's office into your coaching office, let's let's talk a little bit about the transformation there, Coach. Uh, when you got this job, this opportunity, uh, of course, you you hit the ground running up there. I watched you on social media. Like I mentioned, we had a few conversations and, and text back and forth, but. What were some of the biggest hurdles to you or maybe some of the biggest challenges and some of the things you've kind of learned in these last three months or so many months that you've been in this role and this opportunity as the athletic director that you were like, wow, I didn't think it was like this. It's a little different. Now I understand a little more than I did yesterday. Well, I appreciate um, working for Coach Randall Tucker at Asher Ridge as athletic director. He's such a great example of what being a good athletic director is. So just taking a lot of notes from him over the years. You know, and then, you know, I have plenty of other guys I can call on to help me out. You know, Dan Minkin at Phillips Simmons, Jonte Seibert over at Woodland. You know, those guys, are, you know, will pick up the phone anytime and answer questions I have about it because obviously I'm new to the role. You know, did some assistant athletic director stuff at different places but never been the head guy. So just, you know, asking them, hey, how do you handle this situation, this, that, and the other. So I'm always appreciative for that. And that's that's what it should be, right, everybody helping each other out when you can. Um, but, you know, the main thing is learning about the programs here at airport, What what can – from my seat, what can I do to support those coaches so that way their program can be the best possible program it can be? That's what it comes down to. How can we make sure our facilities are are stay top notch, first class? How do we how do I make sure that the coaches have all the things they need to be successful? Like for example, the baseball coach just got a ras rasphoto machine. It's a camera that analyzes um, spin rate pitchers and um, analyzes exit velocity from hitters, et cetera. I think we're going to be one of the only high schools in the state, maybe the southeast that has something like that, and we're going to get ready to plug that thing up this week and get it ready for our baseball team, which is really, really good at airport. So um, stuff like that. How can we make our programs the best in everything? Um, how can I support those coaches, and how can we make sure that our facilities stay first class and, and keep getting better every 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 single year? And that's, and that's a tribute to – Dr. Brenda Hafner and Lexington, too, for all the stuff they do uh, to make sure that uh, Brooklyn, Casey, and Airport uh, look the best because, you know, we don't want anyone to be better in our two, our two facilities. I know we're just a 3A and a 4A school, but, you know, when you've got indoor facilities and turf and, you know, talking about LED lights in the stadium and, and jumbotrons and the whole deal, I mean, they, they just do it, they do it right. 
How much of it, was that a change, though? Indoor facility. I mean, I I know your story here in Somerville. Heck, I'm I'm minutes away uh, the studio from both schools at Somerville, uh, Ashley Ridge, and even Fort Dorchester. There's no indoor facility here in Charleston. There's no indoor in, in Dorchester County or Berkeley County. What is it that that, that county? And again, I, I talk about the the, the uncomfortable conversations, Coach. You know me a long time. Why can how can they do it there in Midlands and why can't it be done here in Charleston? There's not one indoor facility, if I'm not mistaken, unless I'm missing something, that there's not one in Charleston, Berkeley or Dorchester County, but yet we have programs down here in the area that are successful that bring in as much, if not more money than some of the schools there in the Yeah, I don't know. I don't have those answers. I don't sit in those seats. I just know what Lexington two provides and, and how they care about how much they care about sports and the student athletes and and the community here. So I can only answer that. I don't, I don't know, you know, if it's a space issue or what it is down in, in the low country, but I know, right. I know what they have up here and it's, it's uh it's great. And it's great for our kids. You know, I'll give you an example in spring practice. We had a day with thunder and lightning, and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I said, all right, guys, let's go. We're going to the indoor. And we just went in there and we just practiced. Now, I mean, you're not doing, you know, full field, 11 on 11, seven on seven in there. You know, it's, it's about as big as a, a, a as a gym. Um, uh, but you know, got the turf down it's got you know all the all the good gadgets that you know that that you want and we go in there and do a nice full inside drill you can get indie done you can um you can throw routes on air uh you can you know you can do all your fundamentals your your tackle circuits all the whole deal you know it's it's it, you can get plenty plenty done you can walk through the whole whole nine yards it's it's fantastic it's we're real grateful for it Grateful indeed, as we just are grateful to have Coach Shane Filler in here with us. Of course, he is the head football coach and the athletic director at Airport High School Big Time School program up there in the Midlands of Columbia, South Carolina. One of our very own coaches here with us today on Southern Sports Central. And back with us, another a different hat, Coach. I guess we're going to have to get you the address to send us some swag because we don't have any airport swag. We got some of the other right. stuff. We have to welcome on some, some Asher Ridge stuff in here, but I got to get some airport stuff. So we're going to get – get some stuff from you off the air. We'll talk more off the air. But now let's go to the football field, Coach. Let's get that whistle out and put away the pen and the pad, and let's talk football now, man. It's a little different up there than it is where you've been the last two stops. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to in this region that you now will have your opportunity to, to do a little different, to see some different talent, but yet have that chance to put your mark on another program? Yeah, let's talk about the, the unbelievableness of the region, you know, North Augusta, obviously a traditional powerhouse forever. You know, Aiken's got all kinds of big-time recruits this year, kids going to Tennessee and the whole deal. Um, South Aiken's got quarterback-running back combination that's that's puts up ungodly amount of points. They are just unreal, both, you know, probably 1,500-yard rushers. Uh, Midland Valley's got a running back with SEC and Big Ten offers, and they got a bunch of other really, really, really talented players. You know, we have a, a kid committed to App State, an offensive tackle. You know, he's 6'7", 280, runs a five-flat 40 at the Palmetto Combine Series. So he's a great athlete. But, you know, it's just great talent in our region. It's going to be, you know, slobber knockers every week. And, of course, our rival, Brooklyn Brooklyn Casey, they're unbelievable. they got great players, great coach, Sharpie. Um, so it's going to be it's, – it's, it's going to be, you know, just like being at Asher Ridge. You're – you know, you have a four-week stretch. We go Fort Dorchester, West Ashley, Berkeley, Somerville. It's going to be kind of like that up here, just, you know, uh, the Midlands version, right? You know, you're going to go, you, know, you get Brooklyn, Casey, and then you get in the region, you go, you know, Aiken, South Aiken, Midland Valley, North Augusta. It's just you know, it's a, lot of, a lot of great talent there. Um, you have to come with a lot of great game plans and 
um, be really, really good at blocking, tackling, and ball security to, to win those games. You know, and you know, airport struggled the last few years, but we're coming in with a fresh perspective with the staff that we brought in and, and the guys we kept, fresh perspective, positive perspective, and just trying to get airport football back to what it used to be under Coach Les Evans and, and Kirk Burnett and, of course, the late Dick Sheridan. You know, he led, he went 9-2 and two his year at airport and led them to their first playoff appearance in 1972. So, you know, we've got a big legacy to live up to with those guys. Um, we got we got to go out there and get it done. Coach, what are some of the traditions that you're trying to learn? Because everywhere you go, Waccamaw had theirs, Ashton Ridge had theirs. Airport been around a little bit longer. Uh, Airport, of course, has some tradition, have some some familiarity with what they have done prior to you and a few other coaches. What are some of the traditional things that on Friday nights or or during the week that you're looking forward to doing that you're kind of learning as you go? Yeah, no, they're really proud of their letter A around here this community is. Um, So we want to make sure we get that back in front and center for them as time goes. You know, they, they love their silver helmets. You know, it's not like Somerville. They want the green helmet, right? They love the silver helmet here. That's stuff we got to get back to, those traditions. Um, just also playing hard-nosed football and, and being really good at running the football and stopping the run. I mean, they have people that made All-American uh, games, Under Armour All-Americans from this school, Parade All-Americans. They've had, you know, guys make the NFL with four Super Bowl rings from this place. You know, every – you know, it seems like every ACC and SEC schools had someone from airport play on it. I go into the Hall of Fame room, and I just start reading plaques like, oh, so-and-so played for the New York Jets, and this person went to NC State and played running back, and this person went to Clemson, and this person is, you know, Earl Bass is one of three names on the outfield wall at South Carolina uh, baseball facility. Ray Tanner, Kit Knight, and Earl Bass. So, uh, you know, it's just a lot of tradition there, and, and we gotta we got to start – figuring out how to get back to it and, and make the people of uh, West Columbia and South Congaree and Pine Ridge and Edmond and Gas and Springdale make them proud. Wrapping it up and hanging out with the head football coach and the athletic director over there at the airport high school, Coach Shane Fiddler, big time, big time uh, for a, a, a guy who has done great things, not only in Waccamaw up there in Georgetown County, he spent some time down here in Dorchester County, Asher Ridge, and now he takes his talent to the Midlands and doing it well already and we appreciate your support coach you've always been there since you and i've met we've had you in here multiple times uh now today was a big day for the state we, we went out there we put over 100 kids on the football field for a chance to play in a, a granddaddy bowl game i call it the rose bowl of the state uh, when it comes to high school uh uh the all-stars and the senior bowl and of course that of course is the shrine bowl today happened over there at brooklyn casey uh a lot of guys were there coach i, I did see you tweet out some things were you able to make it over there and and tell us a little bit about this, Ryan Bowes. They'll take 100 kids and shrink it down to about 45 to make this roster. Yeah, me and my son went one over there to watch uh, Dylan, our offensive tackle, commit to app, go watch him compete, and then watch many other kids. I got the lucky enough I was able to be the head coach of the Junior Bowl uh, last year for the high school blitz. I did the East team, and about all the kids that we selected for that were out there today. Um, they got invited to that, so I know we chose a good roster um, for that event. And all those kids were coming up saying hi, whatever. And like I said, I got to see my Ash and Nick Jefferson from Asher Ridge, give him a big hug, tell him, miss him, and, you know, I let him know I'd do anything for him. Uh, but, you know, so much talent on that field today, you know. It, huge kids, fast kids, kids making great plays. You know, I know Farmer and the Shrine Bowl staff, they got a hard job <laughs> choosing kids. You know, there's so much talent. There's so many kids committed to big-time schools, and, you know, they're going to have a, a tough gig on their hands, you know, um, the Shrine Bowl last year, a big win for 
for South Carolina, Coach Dr. Jerry Brown. And Lenora Sellers was the MVP, I believe. Um, you know, they, they held off North Carolina at the end. We had a kid, Christian Garland, in it. Played linebacker in the game. And, you know, it's always cold in Spartanburg that time of year. But if you're up there watching the game, it means you got a kid in it. It means you had, you know, you have something real special. So it's, it's important to get kids in that game. But that's not the only great game we have in our state. You know, the North-South game is, is amazing, too. That's a great week at the beach. They do recruiting fairs and the Joanne Langfitt Junior Showcase. And, and then they do the, the North-South game on Saturday. That, that's, that's also a great honor for every kid that makes that. There's plenty of kids in the North-South game that are good enough to play in the Shrine Bowl. Um, it's just they can yeah. only take so many, right? So, um, you know, both of those games are great, and making those are an honor. And then, you know, we're thankful for Ken Brown with the high school blitz. And he's, you know, there's kids that should make the North-South game that don't, and he kind of finds a landing space for them and makes the, the senior all-star game. You know, and they have that junior game as well now. And, you know, it's just great. It's great stuff. And we're happy for it, a chance to promote kids. And we're appreciative of everything that the Shrine Bowl and the North-South game and, you know, Scott Early and all those guys do. Yes, sir, we are. We are appreciative of you, Coach, and all that you do. And we appreciate your wives because, again, the real winners, uh, the real champions are those behind the scenes, and that is the women behind these great men that coach our kids on Friday nights and Thursday nights and any other night that they're not at home. Somebody's got to be home and making sure the things are still moving over there. So I can tell you, uh, you know, uh, she there watches the little man and uh, deals with you when you come home, win, lose, or draw. She's got to take you in at some point at some level, whether it be on that mat beside the bed there that you used to have to sleep on or, or you make it to the bed. Ain't no it is. Ain't uh, no we just, that tradition <laughs> continues no matter what school we're at. <laughs> I hope you don't lose. I love it. See, I, I wasn't going to throw I it out. Hard, there. Hardwood floor in the bedroom this year. The new house got hardwood floor in the bedroom. So I'm hoping I don't lose too many. I mean, I've, I'm a bad yeah. bat. So, yeah. <laughs> Those don't know the story. That's how my wife coaches cheer. The rule in our house is if you don't win, you sleep on the floor that night because only winners deserve the bed. We're pretty competitive. We're so competitive we named our kid win. So um, that's how we operate in the little household. I love it, man. I tell you, we miss you down here, Coach. We definitely miss you. I, I can't wait uh, to have a chance to talk to Coach Tate again, who's, who's taken over that program that you've taken it to the next step after Coach Walker was there just to see how great our state continues to grow. And, and we're doing it with the youth, and we're bringing it up there to the next level. Of course, you're one of our younger coaches, but you're doing it and doing it the right way. We appreciate you and all that you do on and off the field. I personally appreciate your support here of our radio show and our dream that we've been doing this since 2008. And here we are back up and running full steam ahead this year. No brakes. Uh, they say all gas, no brakes. But at the end of the day, I'm planning a trip to airport. I'll let you know. I'm not covering any high schools this year. I'm going rogue. I'm going to do it on my own. And as we um, as we get the schedules, Coach, I'm going to let you know I'm coming. I'll be there early on Friday. you got to tell me where to eat at, and then I'll hang out with you for a little while, and then I'll, I'll spend some time on the sideline and catch up with you, of course, that way. I think anyone would tell you that answer is easy. Just go to Zestos. Writing it down as we speak. So I already know where I'm eating that Friday, and I know where I'm going that Friday night, Coach. Thank you so much for a last-minute opportunity to catch up with you. Congratulations Appreciate on go, all of your success, not only on the field but off the field. Thank you. What's that, Coach? I said, I'm going to go eat some lunch and hang out with my kid. I appreciate y'all. All right, buddy. God bless you. Take care. To everybody, we said hello, Coach. Thank Thanks you. again. Yes, sir. Bye. All right, guys. There you go. Look at that. Shane Fiddler checking in with us on a beautiful Saturday. To wrap it up, you couldn't ask. Couldn't ask for a better way to wrap it up. Coach Smitty, I know he had to go. Uh, he had been away from his family. He had been at the Shrine Bowl, hanging out with all of our 
Palmetto State Ballers. If we could hashtag a hashtag, it would be hashtag Palmetto State Ballers. Let's get it running. Let's get it. Let's get it moving, guys. I'm telling you, that way they can find our athletes a little easier on the World Wide Web or social media. It has been a great show, and we have covered so much in three hours. And I look forward to now. You can hear my voice even changing a little bit, getting a little more excited as we're 49 days away from college football. It's so bad. I'm sitting here watching the Florida spring game, all right? It's just what's on, so I'm watching it. I'm I'm in. I'm I'm all in over here watching – the flashbacks and all the things I can to get my fix, but it has been a good one today. We started off with Reginald Walker. Of course, he is uh, one of our go-to guys from the Charlotte area there in the Queen City, former player of Penn State under Joe Pye. He was an All-American guy in the secondary on the defense. He does his own show there in Charlotte at 7.30 the game on ESPN. You can catch it, the shutdown corner. And, of course, Clemson Tom joined us uh, as well uh, as he hung out, hung out with us for almost about an hour. That was good. Kind of a flashback for us having the factor that he and I have done this show for so many years together. And, again, I, I, I still say uh, he and I had a chance to do some big things. Timing is everything. Uh, as, uh, of course, he was there, Mr. Anisha Allen Jackson. She was a part of the show for a couple years as well. Also brought a lot of value to the table. All these guys have all meant so much to me. Will Porter uh, was here with me for a long time. Young man from Saluda. Uh, Eugene. Eugene Benton uh, on and off at times. He's got a lot going on. Got a lot of success off the field going on. Personally, he's got a lot of great stuff on the field at James Island. They've been in Virginia, I believe, all week. But uh, he will join us back at time given. And if it works itself to get him back in here with us, great. But, again, you want to thank those guys who walk the walk with you, who hit the, the highs and the lows. And I do want to say, on behalf of all of us at Southern Sports Central, last Sunday, last Sunday was a big day for us uh, because we have really pushed that we are as one with those of the high school league. And it was last Sunday that the coaches association tweeted out, give the guys at Southern sports Central a follow. They do it right. And we're a huge advocate for high school coaches, players in our state. And they meant the world to me to see that tweet come across because it shows me that me and my group and our team working together for the right reason to get it done the right way, just paid off. So for that being said, we appreciate the support from the high school coaches association. We've gotten the, the check mark from the high school league as the, uh, the commissioners come on the show. We're going to try to get him back in here before the season starts to kind of give us uh, his conversation and his uh, let's get a going speech there as well. Uh, and we'll continue to do what we do. Now I'm going to promote another group of guys who do it the right way. The guys that move in the chains. Those guys are incredible. They have really stepped up their game. Very similar to the way we do our stuff. They do it in the state. They've been interviewing coaches. They've been talking about the coaching carousel that's been going on. They interview players. They do it the right way. And every day I say, if you do it the right way, we'll promote you, we'll endorse you, we'll do what we can to help you grow in the way that we think uh, this state needs to grow. So, again, it's been a great show. I want to thank everybody. Again, go back through it. Reginald Walker, Jr., Clemson Time, Coach Smitty, who was our voice, our feet, and our pitchers on the ground at the South Carolina. That, of course, was the – combine for the Shrine Bowl today at Brooklyn Casey. I want to thank Brooklyn Casey for hosting it today. The coaches who took time to go and evaluate all the talent that we saw there today as well. And then, uh, you know, wrapped it up there just moments ago with Coach Shane Fiddler. He is the new athletic director, Ned, new head football coach at Airport High School. I did tweet out a picture of their facility. We'll talk about facilities next week as uh, we're running out of time here at the top of our number three. We'll be back live next Saturday right here 
on this same network here at Southern Sports Central. We'll be coming to you for the rest of this month at 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings, 10 to 1. We'll have a lot more guests coming in next week. We'll talk a lot more headlines and things that are going on because as we get closer to college football, so go the headlines. Things start to come unraveled and onions start to become unpeeled. The same is happening in high school football as well. We may or may not get into some of that drama, but trust me, it's there. We see it, we hear it, and uh, we're here to help any way we can keep us all on the same track going in the right direction, guys. On behalf of all of us, all of you, enjoy the weekend. Stay safe, stay cool, stay hydrated, and we'll see you again right here next Saturday morning at 10 a.m., guys. Thanks again for all the support, and until next time, see you soon.